following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener. Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Rebels, The Mandalorian. Batteries Not Included. Solo, A Star Wars Story. Leon, The Professional. Taken, The Transporter. The Matrix, and Blade Runner. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie. Or a Disney Plus limited series. And then try to determine which one is cooler. Robots, dinosaurs, or Jedi Inquisitors. I'm your host, Louis G, and with me as always is my co-host, uh, so now I've got a uh, new co-host for some TV stuff, or maybe not TV stuff, limited Disney Plus series stuff, stuff that is not um, uh, on a movie theater screen, let's say. And uh, so we're going to be covering Robots vs. Dinosaurs, we're going to be covering every episode of the Star Wars series Obi-Wan Kenobi, and my co-host for that is Jason Carubia. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Thank you, Luigi. Thank you so much. Excited to be back talking about Star Wars. I'm excited to have you back. This is the first Star Wars show that we're covering, which shame on me because we should have definitely done uh, Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Those both obviously had uh, uh, robots in them. Um, but uh, you know what? Don't at me. Um, or do. Send me hate mail to robosvdinos at gmail.com. We'll go ahead and read uh, your your hate mail on air. Um but I'm excited to talk about this show. Uh, so, Jason, um, just real quick, like, broadly, what, how do you feel about the direction the show is going in so far? How do you feel about it, like, compared to the other Disney Plus Star Wars shows that we've seen so far? Well, I'm excited. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me again on something that is truly kind of a passion of mine, which is, which is you know, Star Wars um i'm not a, i'm not a super fan i can't name every single droid although i do know the main ones and i do know some some of the abstract one the uh, abstract references but i you know i'm i'm excited for more star wars in general just whenever there's a no, another outlet of star wars whether it's a movie whether it's a show i know there's a lot of people out there that can think like you, you're gonna break star wars you're going to change it make it to something different i'm i'm just excited for more star wars and i'm excited that this generation of of kids and uh and fans are going to um, appreciate star wars in possibly a new and unique way um but overall from like a ten thousand foot view down onto this star wars it's so much like uh, episodes four, five, and six. The original 1977, uh, Star Wars A New Hope, um, Empire Strikes Back, and then Return of the Jedi. So it's 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 so much a celebration of that Star Wars. And at the same time, it does give a lot of cool parallels back to uh, the the second iteration of the Star Wars films with Episode One, Two, and Three, um, uh, in 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 parallel parallel storylines and continuation of characters and stuff. So I'm I'm so thrilled that that we have this just in general. You know that that we can revisit these characters. I don't know how long ago uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith came out. So long ago. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it, over 10 years ago, more than that, you know, and, a little and, more uh, than can, 10, Jason. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, was it uh, 
12, 15 years ago or something uh, like that. It, Revenge it, of the it, Sith was uh, 2005. So 2005 um, yeah. <laughs> or 17 years ago. <laughs> so that we can revisit these characters 17 years later and mm-hmm. pick up where we left off. That's so cool. And yeah, uh, you can call it a reboot. You can call it whatever you want, but you know, it's good storytelling. It is. I, I feel like uh, I, I totally agree. I'm. I'm. This is. This show is an easy sell for me because Obi Wan Kenobi has always been my favorite Jedi, my favorite Star Wars character, and so I, I could not have been more excited about the show. But, um, but yeah, it's. You always get a little bit worried when a storyteller is like, oh, well, we're just gonna go back and fill in some gaps that don't necessarily need to be filled in because it could go terribly. Um, So far, I think they're doing a fantastic job with this show. In my opinion, I feel like the, the, uh, what they're, what they've done the best at um, is this time period because uh, Obi-Wan has been like these two episodes so far have been great. Um, I'm sure that you've played Jedi Fallen Order, which takes place in this time period and, Actually, uh, no, really I job. haven't played Jedi Fall, Fallen Order. You know, I I don't oh. I, I don't really have a very powerful gaming system right now. That and uh, so I have to you know I have to really take faith that you you've really dove really far into the games recently. But I hear it's fantastic and in it's almost canon. You know, I think I think I'm not sure if Dave Filoni has acknowledged it as being canon, but they're definitely echoing a lot of it in in some of the series I've heard. I'm fairly sure it is. The Inquisitors are are well like one. The main antagonists in that game, because um, you're a you're a Jedi that escaped uh, Order sixty six, and um, you're getting hunted down. Uh, no spoilers for the game; it's a fantastic game. But yeah, um, also the other the other thing is uh, Rebels, the animated series. Um, that's my favorite Star Wars animated series, and it also is like around this time period. I think it's like five years after where we're, where we are in Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, but yeah, no, we're not gonna. We're not going to dive too much into Rebels either. Um, so let's talk about these first two episodes. Uh, we've got uh, coming back to reprise his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor. Um, we've got uh, young Princess Leia for the first time, Vivian Lyra Blair. Um, Moses Ingram, newcomer, playing uh, the the third sister, Reva. And uh, Joel Edgerton came back as well. <laughs> uh, when we get Joel to, is great. He really is. I was blown away. Um, when Let's we get to the second episode, like, we'll, talk, we'll talk about a couple more actors. What, real quick, though, I just want to say uh, this episode is directed by Deborah Chow and written by Joby Harold. So, yeah, let's uh, let's do a Joel Edgerton corner. Let's let's fanboy out on Joel Edgerton. So he 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 played what Owen in in episode um, episode two was it? That was two the first time we three. see him. Two and, two and three. three. The yeah. first time we saw it, actually, I just rewatched episode two last night, and uh, you know he doesn't really say much. You know, in episode mm-hmm. two, he's just a character that's there. But they cast a serious actor. Um, lo and behold, you know, he did a lot of work outside of Star Wars, and he comes back, and and we see him for the first time. Uh, the actor just knocks it out of the park. Joel just does a great job, and I'm so happy about you know that that we can like revisit you know that, that character of of Uncle Owen. Uh, and uh, it, it, he's very much similar to the original actor, but he's different. You know, it's a similar style character. He's not trying to, like, do an impersonation, but it, it just works perfectly. Mm-hmm. And the movie is filled, uh, the movie, the, the series is filled with a lot of that. 
you know, a lot of that. Okay, this feels like the original. This feels like Star Wars. And uh, Kathleen Kennedy, she said recently, um, we we can't. We learned that we can't recast main characters, and she was referring to Solo when she was talking about it. <laughs> um, but I think she's wrong because yeah, you know, some, the of these, some of these performances are so great. Yeah, that's not the problem. The problem that wasn't was the problem Solo with Solo. That, <laughs> no, no. The, uh, the, the, it, the, the problem with Solo was actually something that probably she had a hand in, which was yep. removing the director so far into it. And, yeah, but she doesn't want and, to admit um, that. Yeah. She doesn't want to admit that. Yeah. And, and which also, I mean, this is um, possible future spoilers alerts, um, if if they do bring Darth Maul into the into this series, which they possibly could, because he was a big hand in the animated series up into you know uh, um, the Battle of Yavin and stuff, and um, he is he, Ray Park was declared not to uh, be part of the Star Wars universe anymore. They were going to recast him. They publicly stated that uh, because of some uh, allegations that had come out on on Instagram, uh, but uh, those uh, have kind of like fallen away. Um, the, him and his wife, his ex-wife have disavowed the allegations and, and, uh, and comments like Kathleen Kennedy kind of give us a lot of, uh, assurance that they might bring back, you know, Ray Park and Darth Maul, not be recast. So who knows what's going to happen in this show. We might see a whole lot more actors that we've seen in previous series. Um, but I'd like the recasting of, of characters that are no longer with us. I mean, George Lucas did originally with, you know, you have to. So it's, it's, it's an important thing that we acknowledge it and yes, celebrate it. Especially when they're playing a younger version of the character. Like you just, you kind yeah. of have to. In, in, I mean, Obi-Wan Kenobi himself was recast technically in the prequels. So yeah, not right. recasting it, it, is not the, the inherent problem <laughs> that they think. No, it, and, I, and I was, and I'm looking at Ewan McGregor as well. And he looks great. Ewan McGregor, yeah. he looks phenomenal. Like this is a, this is a, hot, sexy Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, and it's a, it's a departure, of course, from Alec Guinness, Sir Alec Guinness, who's brilliant and and definitely looks older. Um, mm-hmm. And I, primarily because of the white hair. Um, uh, also but, his but face, like he looks, time, he looks wrinkled. He looks like he's been in the tattooing double suns for too long. Like they, it really looks like, you know, time and stress has done a number on him. Right, right. And the thing about, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi here. It's set takes place 10 years after the events of, of Revenge of the Sith. And which sets it up about nine years later is a new hope. We're thinking. And um, that's well, about the age. Yeah. Yeah. About eight or nine years. Cause Luke and Leia are both like 17 or 18 in the original one. Right. 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 And so that sets about the age of, of, Alec Guinness, what he was when he shot the film in 1977, he was actually 58 years old. Mm. Uh, it's hard to think like 58 is old, you know. Um, but you know, Ewan McGregor's 51 right now. Alec Guinness uh, was 58, so they're about that age, that equivalent age in the timeline. Uh, so we're 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 definitely moving into like a a normal you know, flow of events. It's not like it's jarring to see characters that are outside of their time period. They have to de-age them or anything like that. It's, it's very much natural. And, and, and we're going to see probably more characters like that. The, the other second example that we see is Jimmy Smith's, mm. uh, at, as Bail Organa. 
um, just walking right into that role. You just know, perfection. the same role that he did. Perfection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same the same character and role that he did back in episodes one, two and three. You know, you, you get to like get a big celebration and applause when he comes on the screen for the first time. Uh, but I think we're going to see more characters like that. And that's Do exciting. You, have you seen Rebels? Have you seen it all the way through? I haven't seen all the way through Rebels. No, I've seen some of it, but I okay. haven't seen it all the way through. Uh, I think off air, you and I have discussed that Darth Maul does uh, appear on that show. Yep. Um, so yep. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna elaborate any more than that. I am curious uh, to know if they're gonna kind of recreate um, that that story arc on this show because it would be fantastic to see it live version. But it's also Rebels is canon, so I'm not sure if they're going to do that. Um, then again, the Grand Inquisitor is a character that we saw in Rebels, and something happens to him when we get to episode two that we're going to talk about uh, that makes me question if they're retconning things or if, or uh, there's a lot of possibilities. But uh, yeah, but yeah that's episode here, two. We'll get there. If one thing we've learned from Dave Filoni's um, Star Wars live action series is that they will bring characters over. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Cad, Cad Bane... Uh, with was brought right over uh, during the Book of Boba Fett, which which I thought was brilliant, and I don't I mean had not having seen much, I've seen some, but not all of the animated series. Though, but seeing Cad Bane in real life is yeah. breathtaking. You they know? did such they a good job with the, the prosthetics, yeah, perfectly. The voice. They captured the character, the voice. Oh, so brilliant. Um, and then of course Ashoka and uh, um, a few of the other characters as well. So it's like if if anything. I, th- I guarantee we're going to see some animated series stuff coming up. Um, also, Do, yeah. Rogue One characters, because yes. Rogue One members happening very soon from this. Um, so I, I would I would not be I mean, it doesn't happen very soon. It's within nine years, but we're going to see them maybe a little bit a little bit before the events. Yeah, it would be a great way to get us even more excited for the Andor uh, series that's coming out. If, if like Cassie and Andor has some sort yeah. of cameo. Um also, do you think we'll see a young Boba Fett? Because uh, they, the reason I ask is when they do this flashback at the very beginning, they, they do like a, um, you know, a last time on Star Wars kind of summary of the prequels. And yeah. uh, it starts with Mace Windu's quote, um, you know, you refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? Uh, and then they show a lot of a lot of Obi-Wan's business and stuff that he did, one of which is when he was fighting Jango Fett uh, and Boba Fett was yep. escaping. And through Clone Wars and Rebels, um, Obi-Wan and, and Boba Fett have a tense history and they're, and, and they're constantly trying to kill each other. Um, do you think we'll see a young Boba Fett like to sort of you fill know, in I, that gap? It's tough because I, I treated that little teaser intro as a previously on star wars type thing for a television series so it it's characters that we've seen before and we may see again for all of them so yes boba fett yes mace windu this is yeah, what i want to see and i think oh my gosh samuel l jackson coming back that would be amazing how how, um, would, how, as, how would that how would that work how did he survive though um i don't want to say but I would say this is okay. We had this conversation off off camera. Okay, who is going? This let's just jump into one of one of my Jason's big threes, if you will. Here, okay. <laughs> who, Lou, who do you think is going to come? Who do you think also as Jedi turned to become Inquisitors? 
Oh, great question. Really good question. Uh, so, I guess Mace Windu is a possibility. We see his arm get cut off, and he flies out of a window. And Jedi can, you know, often survive a fall, uh, a long fall. Um, uh, we saw, I mean, we saw Obi-Wan do it in episode two. He, like, ju- literally jumped right out of a window and just grabbed onto a, a flying speeder. Um, so Mace Windu is a strong possibility. I'll give you that. Who else? I'm trying to think of who else even survived Order 66 that is a character I can name. Um, give me some options. Yeah. Okay, so the, the thought that I have is we, we're noticing all, a lot of these Inquisitors have, are, are augmented. Mm-hmm. Um, they have you know that, that blurring of man and machine. And I'm assuming anyone that was hurt under the direction of Yoda um, and the Jedi Order uh, is going to possibly return or turn to uh, the Inquisitors um, mm. and 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 embrace the the dark side as they as they recover. And it's like kind of that 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 similar story is what happens with um, with Anakin and with Luke even when he loses his hand. There's always that kind of. Um, when you become more, this plays right into our series of robots. Um, when you become more machine, are you losing yourself and your humanity? And I think we're going to see a lot of that. Um, so there I, also, mm-hmm. there also is that part of the Sith where they're almost a death cult. Where, and as we've learned with the previous, the, the most recent movies, is that you know the resurrection and the revival of the dead, the prolonging of life, is something that they kind of celebrate or. Uh, and and it's unnatural things that the two Jedi, but to them, it's what is the purest form of preservation. And so I think we're going to see either characters come back from the dead or come back from close to death being augmented. So nothing's off the table. So I think you, Kit Fisto might be back. Um, Fisto, so that's the but Kit Fisto's dead, though. Like all, all of the Jedi I can think of that I can name from the prequel series are, are dead. Kit Fisto, Kiati Mundi, we saw them die. Again, we can't just discount the fact that the Sith can bring people back from the dead. Like this is something oh, that, that if you watch, if you watch episodes one and two, uh, you know, Anakin. You know, of course, his his lines are, you know, I'm going to make it so no that that death is not the end. That that when you can't die or something like that. You know, he has those lines, and and then yeah. uh, Palpatine, uh, Sidious has those. You know, the the Sith have have things that Jedi would feel were unnatural. You know, something like that. It's you know, it's, it's very much a central theme of of the Sith of of resurrecting life, um, and um, and re- bringing people back from the death. Uh, from death, and it, so I yeah. think I think we're going to see some peop, some of those those Sith elements there. I mean, who else though? Who would be a cool like undead zombie or or Sith Lord? Um, so we got like Shakti, Ayla Sakura, Kiati Mundi, oh, Yariel Poof, maybe um, yeah. Yaddle. Yaddle. Uh, you think Yaddle? <laughs> Yaddle. Um, yeah, there's there's so many you know Sith that people love from the animated series or mm-hmm. from the original movies that just were just taken out by Order sixty six uh, that could be taken over by the dark side. There, you might be onto something because part of the uh, the Inquisitors' backstory is, um, and this is this is not canon to like Star Wars live action stuff. This is from the comics, uh, but in the comics, 
all of the Inquisitors train directly with Darth Vader, and Darth Vader deliberately maims every single one of them in some way. Mm. Um, some of them, right. he, like, crushes their larynx, doing his force choke, and that's why, like, a lot of them, I think, like, Fifth Brother have modulated voice boxes and things. Um, oh some of them, gosh, he just straight that up detail. That was awesome. takes off body parts, and they have to get them replaced with prosthetics. And he does this on, per- like, the person that is um, in charge of them asks him at one point, like, why do you do that? And he's like, well, was, I want them to feel that pain. I want it to be a constant reminder, because for him... That pain, that loss is what fuels him. That hate makes his his connection to the dark side stronger. So he he does that to all of the inquisitors um, to enhance them and to make you know to make. So you might be onto something if they're like going around finding Jedi that were like we thought they were dead because cinematically they showed them get killed, but they're like clinging to death or clinging to life barely. And maybe Sidious goes around and. And, and mechanically resurrects a lot of them. Thank you for explaining the augmentation of of Fifth Brothers. Was it Fifth Brothers? Mm-hmm. Uh, Fifth voice. Brother. Uh, yeah, because I noticed that. I'm like, wow, why does his voice sound kind of mechanical? Like, it's kind of like Darth Vader, but not. Um, so that explains it. So he he must have had his larynx crushed by Vader um, in his training, uh, and and that that's the augmentation from that. Cause that I, just, it sounded really creepy and cool when you're watching the series, it, yeah. but they don't really explain it other than that. He augmented. So that's fantastic. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, hear me out. Um, a, a character that might be one of the inquisitors, Yoda. So hear me out. What if Yoda, right? He said, he tells Obi-Wan, I'm going to go into hiding. I'm going to go into exile. Uh, but really all of this time he's working as like a shadow agent for the empire and then, after a few years of doing that, like, Obi-Wan almost sees him, and he just nopes out and then goes to Dagobah uh, to hide from Obi-Wan. Are you just asking for hate mail right now? This I am. Is yeah, yeah. That's, that's not a real theory. I don't really think it happened. I love Yoda. <laughs> Yoda's, a, Yoda's a good, good green Jedi. Um, oh, man. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I, would, I would definitely think, I mean, do you, do you, who else is is uh who's on the dark side that could be coming over at to an inquisitor um uh there's there's what's her name that that passes away in the animated series that dies in the animated series at the hand of uh of dooku um you had mentioned her uh asajj ventress yeah ventress ventress could could possibly come and show up as an inquisitor because Dooku's not in the picture anymore and the emperor is kind of far removed. Um, Vader's very much controlling the empire. You know, do you think Ventress could, could make an appearance under the hand of Vader? Um, there's also this weird duality of, of the Sith that there's always kind of a master and apprentice, like, in, like with uh, the force, like with Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, so who is, Vader's apprentice, we don't know yet. Um, and is uh, Reva vying for that role? Is well, she want it, to be the is, apprentice? Isn't it a character from another uh, Star Wars game? The what's his name? The um, it's uh, the Force Unleashed. But I'm not sure if that's technically movie TV series canon, but it's yeah. almost certainly not. Um, <laughs> Star Killer, Star Killer is his name. Star Killer, yeah. Yeah. We were watching episode one and two 
you they they repeat it you know yoda repeats it there's you know in, in the episode one there's there's always two and um and and so that's something that we have to look out for mm-hmm. um and then of course there's there's going to be like a pecking order that comes down of sith and we see that in this this series, you know, people trying to, you know, get one up on the other, and they'll do anything they can uh, to to be to gain power. Would you um, call these guys Sith though? Because the the rule of two is a big thing with the Sith, and I don't, I I think that um, they've been pretty clear, like that Sidious and Vader are the only two quote unquote Sith. Um, so is that like a, is it like a rank almost like you have to achieve, there's like a certain level of force power or connection to the dark side you have to achieve to be officially called a Sith, like, like becoming a Jedi, you have to go through the trials, you're a Padawan up until, uh, until you go through the trials and, and whatever, and then you become a full fledged Jedi. Do you think it's the same for these inquisitors? Like they're working towards, and that's why they're, they're backstabbing each other is cause like one of, they want to get promoted to the level of Sith. I think so, because um, the Sith are very secret in their in their knowledge of the Force, um, and only a very small few are Sith Lords versus the Jedi Knights, which there's a, a lot more of. Uh, so I I wouldn't be surprised if they're they're trying to fight for that number one spot under Vader, mm-hmm. um, and also if we want to talk about Sith powers. I haven't seen any Sith powers in this series yet. Reva doesn't use Sith force powers. She uses light side Jedi powers when she's following Obi-Wan. And now we have to assume that she was either former Jedi or former Padawan or former Youngling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that is untrained. And that is why she's been brought into the situation here. Um, Do you with think her she's one of those five kids that we see in the opening scene? I don't know. Could be, um, but she she uh, they talk a little bit about her backstory. I can't remember much of it, but how she was you know brought to the Sith um, from the gutter. He's like, or from the you know, from yeah, the, from yeah. the gutter. Like you're, that she was like the street urchin station. Yeah, a street urchin almost, and and like she's she's looked down upon unless as lesser of because she's just naturally force sensitive and 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 uh, not trained and. I think there's a possibility that she could in in her struggle to get to the top spot of the Sith, Obi-Wan sees an opportunity of goodness in her and tries to bring her over to the light side of the force. Um, she does that the the Jedi mind trick where she reads uh uh um Kumail Nanjiani's character. Haja. Uh, she reads Haja, reads his mind. And that's that's correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a Jedi um ability. That is not Sith. It, it's. It, I think you're right because we also see Kylo Ren do that to um, to Rey in the in the sequels, and and that's not really conclusive because he could have learned that from Luke or he could have learned it afterwards from Snoke. Um, so it could. Mm. I, I do think it's a light side thing, um, but it could be either. It does seem. I mean, it does seem more of like an evil thing because you're violating somebody's mind and you're penetrating. It their, could be. Their their inner thoughts and that isn't generally the kind of thing that light side that good the good guys do uh yeah, but yeah it could be either way i just think that way. they visually they showed us that opening scene of 
the Padawans training in the academy and Order 66 goes down and they really kind of zoom in on those five kids that survive uh, and they're saying, you know, we're going to run away. My, my little theory there is that those five kids, they do escape, but they, they get caught right away uh, or maybe not right away, but they get caught and, and thrown into this Inquisitor program. Yeah, um, that that opening scene, I loved it so much. I thought mm-hmm. after just seeing episode one and episode two and episode three, you look at that opening scene and you can see how far we've come um, with particularly with lightsaber battles. Uh, it, it it just looks so uh, seamless seeing the the Jedi in this opening scene fight with lightsabers, uh, you know, the way that they reflect off of, of objects because they're practicals. They're not just, you know, digital enhancements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact, the fact that, you know, um, the, the cinematography is, they, they know the aesthetic now they know what needs to be done versus when George Lucius was, I, I don't want to say experimenting with it, but was just uh, championing it. Um, they know how to blend the uh, animated uh, effects and um, uh, digital backgrounds. Uh, it just looked really cool when you see the kids escaping and you see the the individual Jedi battles on the ground below in mm-hmm. the distance. It just it was it was phenomenal. And of course, seeing the little kids in in their kind of Yoda, not Yoda. Um, uh, toad hats. They're kind of the, the, the training hats that they have. Um, that's, that's exactly, uh, the parallel, uh, the aesthetic that was in episode two. Um, when, when we see them for the first time, the younglings for the first time with Yoda. So it's, Mm -hmm. it, it, they, they capture it beautifully. The only thing of course that we don't see that no fans were looking for is they're looking for baby Yoda. They want to see Grogu in there because there's all speculation, whether he was a youngling that escaped during order 66. So we're seeing it for the first time. That's confirmed. Uh, well, we're going to see more. We see. Yeah, we see, so, we see Grogu have that flashback of like see, watching these Jedi defend him. Right, right. But are, are he, is he like? Are we going to see him in the series now? That's what I'm saying. Oh, like, are right, we going right. to see him as well? Uh, is this the same Jedi that you know that that helps him escape? Because he, you know, we don't see who takes him out of right. of the Jedi Temple. Um, we just we just see that he was there. Um, and there was some trauma, some traumatic things that happened. So, yeah, I, I just thought like specifically one of those five kids looked like it could be a young Reva, um, young Reva. Yeah. And the, I was looking at the other four to see if they looked like they could be a young grand inquisitor or a young fifth brother. I don't necessarily think that's the case. They, they could be, they could have been just taken or kidnapped from somewhere else. Cause that happens too. And that's how a lot of inquisitors come, come to be is that. Uh, the Empire starts going around, just like the Jedi did, um, going to finding people that are showing Force sensitivity and just basically taking them from their parents and like and saying, oh, we're, you know, they're destined for a higher purpose or whatever. So Right. And you make a good point. Like, why would the series show us something we've already seen before? Like, why deliberately recreate a scene that we've already seen, like, at least twice? Mm-hmm. Um, Order 66 in in the movie uh and then of course uh the recreation in mandalorian and then of course that there's probably some animated recreations as well um so that why would it's very deliberate that we're showing that moment so we have to we have to maybe you know think it's significant more than just you know escaping younglings um there well, there, there are probably a f- there are a few characters possibly in there that we'll we'll re- reevaluate Let's drill down on Third Sister because uh, her she's got like she's got a very very strong it seems personal uh, resentment or vendetta against Obi Wan. 
Um, the when the episode starts, uh, we see this black ship coming down. Like after the the Coruscant flashback, we see um, this really cool looking black ship come down, and these three Inquisitors step out, and they're going to this bar in Tatooine, uh, looking Tatooine, looking for a a Jedi. Uh, we think they're looking for Obi Wan. But it's this other Jedi. Um, I didn't write down his name. I think it's Nari. Uh, and yeah, she is. Re- Reva specifically is like very hell bent on finding Obi Wan. The Grand Inquisitor has to tell her like, you know, it's not your. The, all we have left is scraps, and so that's what we're hunting down. Um, but like, why is she so focused on Obi Wan specifically, and why right. does she seem so, so we- angry at him? Right. So uh, that's a great question. Why? We have the two duality of the Inquisitor characters. They, they, they butt heads because one of them, um, the Grand Inquisitor, who looks kind of like a cyborg or fester. You mm-hmm. know, he's kind of he's kind of he's bald. Um, he's got some augments on him and he's got a very, very interesting what looks like a Tron uh, disc on his back. We don't know really exactly what he can do or what what his powers are, but he waxes philosophical about power and order. And um, he's, he's this really he's a bad dude. We know he's a bad dude because this is Star Wars. There's good and bad. Do but, you know the, he, the Tron disc is lightsaber? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, but he he thinks he has these amazing lines about the Jedi code, talk comparing it to an itch, like this compulsive scratch, mm. and that their compassion is their undoing. Jedi um, hunt and themselves. this is this they hunt themselves. That's the line he has. And uh, third sisters, you know, doesn't like that he follows this kind of. Um, philosophy or order she she's very much an agent of of a chaos agent you know she she uh, as he says later on she's impulsive and that's going to be her undoing and and uh and and compulsive um not compulsive impulsive and uh the 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 duality of the characters you you can see from the beginning of this episode butting heads which is Mm -hmm. great storytelling um but third sister is that the rank of Inquisitor, or how does that function? Because we have fifth brother, third sister. Uh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. We're introduced. We're, they introduce her as third sister. Later on, we call, we learn that her name is Riva, um, but she's called third sister by the order, by the Inquisitors. And it seems like when you're saying something like brother or sister, it seems like almost like a religious order. Um, whether it's uh, uh, not a, not a, or not necessarily a cult, but some type of commune or or um, you know monk uh, or or like almost like a Jesuit foundation, you know it's it's, it's a yeah. it's a religious order that they have, um, which implies also that there's a religious like, monastery or headquarters or something or a cathedral that they're all you know inhabiting or, or staying in, like a um, like a, a foundation that they. They are are steadfast at so I wouldn't be surprised if like there's a an entire church of inquisitors right now uh, or a group um, that they're they're living um, outside, just outside the empire you know, just th- outside the reach. I think there's a total of eleven of them, and I think the numbering is. I've never really thought about the numbering and like why they're specific specific numbers, but I've always I guess I've always just assumed. It's like the order in which they became an inquisitor. Like, it takes you know training. It takes however long uh, to become an inquisitor. 
and to pass the trials or whatever. And so, like, it's just the order in which they did. So fifth, uh, uh, third sister just implies she's the third um, the third woman je- uh, to, to go through and graduate from Inquisitor School. Do you think they originally wanted to call them, like, Sith? But fifth Sith sounded really bad when they tried to do rehearsals. <laughs> I don't, but that's a funny theory. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, it's... It it is yeah it's a good that's man that really made me pause I've never thought about that question of why the and numbers. and we're 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 thinking about uh, other you know kind of dark side orders we have to look down the road to the Knights of Ren and see mm-hmm. how much uh, of a parallel um, from the Grand Inquisitors that Kylo Ren takes to create the Knights of Ren um, his father's. Uh, not his father's, his grandfather's based, not, this is not his grandfather's, his not, they're not related, but he's, he's in, no, it is his grandfather's. Who his, are we talking about? Uh, Kylo Ren? Kylo Ren, his grandfather's order that he creates, the Inquisitors, for example, you know, paralleling it to create the Knights of Ren. So we yeah. have to see, you know, the, you know, the similarities in the Knights of Ren um, to the Inquisitors. Mm-hmm. That's a really good parallel. Um, Riva is, uh, uh, very yeah, very impulsive compared to the Grand Inquisitor. He's trying the you know, the it's almost like they're doing like a good cop bad cop thing. He's like, um, you know, you're, you're you're protecting this Jedi, but they wouldn't protect you, and and he's he's spelling out exactly what's going on. You know, you offer uh, he helps you with the whatever, and you offer him food and water and shelter, and and then at some point, Riva just gets sick of this and picks up a knife, and I mean. Uh, say what you will, it's a very effective strategy because <laughs> yeah. it immediately sniffs out the Jedi that's sitting in this bar. Um, yeah. He does escape because they let him escape, which I think is because the Grand Inquisitor is smart enough to know if we let this guy escape, he'll lead us to anybody else that might be on this planet. If he has any allies, right. he's going to lead us directly to them. Uh, but it right. looks like Reba is, a, is she's about to slice his arm off and he uses the force to stop her. Um, the Grand Inquisitor does and like push her away. So uh, it's 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 very interesting. Sidebar. Also, have you played the Knights of the Old Republic games? I know. I I'm did. sorry. I keep referring to the Star Wars video games because they're not not necessarily canon. But do you find it interesting that Riva is one letter away from another very very big um, Star Wars yeah. villain? Yeah, it, here's the cool thing about all the all the old Star Wars games. They're all available now. They've been re-released um, the pa- during the past year. Uh, you can get them on cross-platform. Um, mm-hmm. So whether it's The Force Unleashed, which you mentioned, or The Knights of the Old Republic, um, Jedi Outcast 1 and 2, um, even, I'm not sure they have the original DOS doc, da, um, Dark Forces, but they have a few of them. Um, and I mean, maybe eventually we're going to see old Rebel Rebel Assault and stuff like that, and in 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 uh, some of those those Excellent cool shooter games fighter. that they had, Exeter Tie Fighter. Yeah, there's 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 discussion about bringing those back as well because um, those are phenomenal. But you can get most of them, most of the platform ones um, available right now if you need, if you want to check them out. But what do you think about like like do you think that's deliberate that her name? I mean, it's it's I I literally thought they were saying Revan when they were talking about her at first. Um, do you I don't think, think that's it's, I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think significance? It's, it's deliberate. I think it's just because it's, it's a cool kind of evil sounding name. 
you know, we don't know, um, you know, her backstory. Um, you know, it sounds like like a like a reaper or uh, something along those lines. You know, Reva, uh, Reva. You know, it, I don't think it's it's deliberate. Okay, um, there are there are parallels at least thematically. She might not be related to Revan, but Revan was a former Jedi that became a Sith, um, and so there it's. I think maybe, like, it's a thematic link and maybe not a direct, uh, l- like, l- uh, lineage. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 I mean, Knights of the Old Republic took place, what, 50 years prior to this? Oh, no, it's I think it's, like, a thousand time. years before. It's a long, a thousand long years? time. Yeah. It's a long It's a very time. long time before. Um, question, Jason. During that bar scene, uh, the... I didn't... I, I You know what? I probably could have solved this by turning on subtitles, but... <laughs> Uh, but the, when they're when they're uh, when they're when they almost capture uh, Nari and they're like prepare him for interrogation, uh, he says, "You're wasting your time." My ear heard, "You'll never find Ahsoka." The second time I watched it, he might have said, "You'll never find us all." Do you think he's saying? Do you think he's name dropping Ahsoka, or do you, or did I just mishear? No, I think he misheard. I think it's just us all. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll go. I'll go. I heard us all, but I'll go back and look at the subtext titles for you. But if you if you want to go do it yourself, you can. But I think yeah. it's us all because <laughs> that would be a pretty big name drop in the first scene of the of the entire series there. Um, but it, interesting point to look at this character though and his age and how old he is. He's mm-hmm. absolutely younger than Obi Wan Kenobi, and he's about the same age of Riva. And yeah. and. He could have been a youngling. You he know? could have been one of those could five have been, that escaped with Yeah, Reva. one of those five that escaped because we're going right, right from that scene and they're kind of scraps are the younglings now. So the kind of idea, because this is 10 years later, he's about 18, 19 years old, yeah. um, maybe 20 even. You know, So he, it's about that age that, that you'd be seeing these, these young Jedi come up. They're not fully Jedi at the time. They're just mm-hmm. kind of Force-sensitive. And he doesn't really use many for, like many jedi tricks he doesn't have a lightsaber you know he doesn't have um he had a belt you know that he earned no he's got um, he's got a lightsaber because obi-wan tells him later on to bury it he's he says you know here's my advice go the time of the jedi is over um bury that in the sand uh oh that's right he has yeah yeah. the lightsaber yeah that's right he does um because nari nari is still it's important that he's young like he still has that fighting spirit he still believes like if I, you know, if I found Obi Wan Kenobi, that that means we have there's hope that, that we're we could, saved. We yeah. could win. Like we could, you know, band together, and it's very tragic because Obi Wan is is just properly defeated at this point. Yeah, he's he's definitely you know uh, spent. He's given up on it. He's he's a he's over being a Jedi. Um, but you're right. So he must have at least either acquired Jedi items after order 66 or got to that point within his training to the point where he got them. Um, but this was 10 years ago. So he must've been very, 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 very young, a young mm-hmm. paddle one. Yeah. The, uh, uh, so after, after this bar scene, we see what Obi-Wan is up to. He's working at some sort of meat factory, um, with, uh, our first, uh, uh, big major droid of the series. Uh, so, you know, on Robots vs. Dinosaurs, we love robots, and we, that means we love droids, and we see a gunk droid, uh, acting as a time punch for this <laughs> meat factory, and I love it. Yeah. It's perfect. 
This made me so happy. Uh, Jason, every time you me, see a gonk droid. Give me your best gonk on, droid. Gonk. 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 <laughs> you're welcome, listeners. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um... Anyway, so every time you see a gonk droid, it's it just steals the show. Everyone loves the gonk droid coming out. It, it it's 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 just so awkward. It's a walking. It's literally a walking trash can, uh, and it's like a it's battery. Right? A perp- it's like a walking power supply. Basically, is what they're kind of used yeah, for. It, that's what it is. Yeah, it's just a general just portable power supply that just wanders around but but to see it serve a, a different purpose right here is really cool um this entire scene is is very odd this giant massive kind of sand shark that kind of crashed or like came up from the sand and is rotting in the sun and they're they're harvesting the flesh to sell at market mm-hmm. it's kind of nauseating but cool um but you, you to think that there's still we know because we've watched the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett, there are these massive creatures, you know, swimming in the sands of Tatooine. Mm -hmm. And this is one of them that, you know, kind of not beached itself, but, but expired somehow. Yeah. Uh, Like we've seen uh, uh, Boba Fett take down a crate dragon, right? Or though, no, it was a Din Djarin, uh, took down a crate dragon. Yep. Yep. I mean, these, these, uh, there was, I guess, massive Leviathan type creatures that were, that, that used to be in the sands of, of, of Tatooine. And, and, and we see, of course, them in the movies as well, the bones of them. And, and, um, but the fact that this, this, uh, creature is rotting in the sun and they're harvesting the flesh as, you know, as quickly as possible to sell at market. And, and Obi Wan, um, paralleling what Ray does in, uh, the Force Awakens, you know, working in the sands and exchanging it for food, mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking the the lowest of the low positions uh, out in the dunes of Tatooine to just get by and just fly under the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and Obi Wan, I'm surprised to see Obi Wan do this to steal some of the meat. Um, it, as a Jedi code, stealing is bad, but. He does it to feed his camel later on. That we feel his his his, uh, his space, yeah, his space camel, yeah. <laughs> his uh, his alien camel that they have. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting seeing you know, Obi Wan in this kind of uh, very 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 non leader role. He's definitely you know just getting through a nine to five shift, uh, <laughs> cutting up some some sand shark. Just waiting for the gonk, gonk droid whistle to blow. Uh, to That's right. The end of the shift. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, he, collect, he collects his wages. We see the guy in front of him get uh, kind of the same, like, treatment Ray got from um, uh, from the guy that was, like, giving her portions, uh, ripping her off. And, and you know, this, this worker is like, hey, that's only half as much as last time. Um, and right. the, the boss is like, are you happy with what you got? Um, and yeah, we see Obi-Wan go back to this cave that he's living in, and this Jawa tea cat shows up. Um, very funny line. He's like, I should have brought some soap. He's like selling scrap and stuff that he found. He's like, I should have brought some soap. I could smell you from Anchorhead. (laughs) Right, exactly. And, uh, we're learning more that the Jawas have very, very, very dynamic relationships. Which I love Uh, that so much. 
after watching uh, Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, you know, they're really creating them as to characters themselves um, as, in comparison to the first uh, episodes uh, four, five, six, where they were just, you know, you know, the the sounds of them. And we had to go by what the other actors were saying you know, they were saying, you know, mm-hmm. they, we didn't they weren't subtitled at all. Uh, so I, I love that these Jawas have very, very, very distinct, unique characters. And, and I love how the Jawa has this relationship with Obi-Wan and gives him jabs about how bad he smells because he's working in a rotting corpse of a yeah. of a of a of a sand shark that's brilliant and don't then of find, course don't Obi-Wan we find out that i'm oh, sorry go ahead go ahead yeah obi-wan giving it right back to him so you know you're stealing you, if you're going to sell me back my parts you, you know, at least give me a fair price he says <laughs> no he said if you're going to steal my parts and sell them back to me you sh- you could at least clean them for me first you could at least clean has, them like, for me first, no, cleaning yeah. costs extra <laughs> he doesn't deny it he's like cleaning costs extra <laughs> Um, don't we also see we see we find out that like uh, Peli Moto from from uh, Mandalorian dates a droid, right? Or she dated a droid. Yes, she does. Uh, not a droid, uh, Jawa. Jawa. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that they're giving them more like culture and personality. It's very it's very, very delightful. Yeah. Uh, so and another and thing Bozi. he buys this T sixteen Skyhopper replica from the droid, uh, which is something we see Luke playing with at the beginning at the beginning of a new hope in the star star wars super fans you know know the t16 we rarely get to see it fly but it's one of those those very very much fan favorite um uh ships because it was one of the toys that was sold it we see uh you know luke play with it in a new hope and in the star wars lore uh, luke has that ship we actually see it in some of the background shots um and he says uh, when they're getting ready to go after the the death star he's like yeah um i used to bullseye womp rats for my t16 in beggar's canyon so he's definitely that's right him point of order him and Biggs used to bullseye womp rats there the T-16 is manufactured by the same in, – in, in the Star Wars universe, it's made by the same um, ship manufacturer that makes the X-Wings, which is sort of like a built-in explanation for why Luke takes to the controls of an X-Wing so quickly and easily. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, they're very similar design, uh, pilot design, and uh, that if, if you're recruiting um, Rebels – uh, then that, of course, you want to go after the kids that you know are flying these type of uh, light uh, flyers, and they're, they're not long range flyers. They 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 well, they they skim along along the surface basically. They don't they can't really go really high into the upper atmosphere or anything like that. Yeah, you know, they're, 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 yeah. they're light flyers. They definitely can't break orbit or anything else. Also, uh, another reference to them we hear two stormtroopers talking when Obi Wan is sneaking around the Death Star, and one of them is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you hear the T-16s have been marked obsolete? <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> it's great. So, um, but uh, later on, uh, uh, he so he leaves this this T-16 like replica at um, the 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 moisture farm of the Larses, and later on, Owen comes back. He finds him. We see we see another scene of of of. Obi-Wan working at the meat, uh, Ben, excuse me, Ben working at the meat factory and Owen comes back and like breaks the toy and gives it back to him. He's like, we don't want this. We don't need this. Leave my, you know, leave, leave my family alone. Yeah. Um, so the, the T-16 is kind of a metaphor for that, that kind of broken relationship that, that, uh, that Obi-Wan knows he should be doing better. Um, but he can't 
and it, it's 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 sad because he, he wants to be there for uh, young Luke and be he knows that he's possibly going to be foreshowing and yeah. uh, and and he can't be there. Um, so what can he do? But he can find broken toys and repair them. It's very sad. Um, the 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 next scene we see after the Jawa sells in the T sixteen toy is that uh, Obi Wan has a dream and. If I, something I've learned from playing lots of Dungeons and Dragons is you don't take dreams lightly. Uh, any type of dream that you have is going to serve the storyline and plot and purpose. So we see another flashback within the show just after we had the intro flashback of all these uh, things that have happened in the past that are are on Obi-Wan's mind. Um, now, Jedis also have the... Uh, sight of premonition um yoda especially uh can see into the future um obi-wan hasn't yet been able to see or sense the future although he's going to possibly start we might see him have premonitions of the future because he 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 might have that foresight to force power down the road um but right now we're just seeing the past uh, mm-hmm. and then after that he wakes up in like almost a cold sweat um and he calls out for master qui-gon jinn and this is the first time that we hear um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, really trying to call back his master. Um, we, at the last that we had left off in the previous movies, Yoda had said to him, um, I, I'm going to teach you in, in episode one, I'm going to teach you ways that you can communicate with your master. Your, and, uh, and we don't ever see what happens after that. Mm-hmm. So, the, so in this, this type of moment, are we going to start seeing... Qui-Gon Jinn appear as Force Ghost Qui-Gon Jinn to Obi-Wan, or at least in in the time of most need, are we eventually going to see it? I um, think so, because we know that Obi-Wan learns the same power that Qui-Gon did uh, to become Force Ghost, so yeah, he must be communing with him at some point. I think we're going to see that in the show. Right. But this is the first call-out that we have. Master, he calls out to Master Qui-Gon Jinn, where are you? you yeah. Know, um, I, I need you. This is... This scene is where Joel Edgerton really shines because, you know, he's he's saying uh, you don't really care about um, Luke. You're just you're just concerned about whether he's showing because, you know, he knows Obi-Wan wants to train him just like he trained Anakin. And he throws that in his face of like what a failure that was. Um, And then the Inquisitors show up and it becomes really, really tense. And uh, we get our first uh, uh, dismembering. We see (laughs) see. One very, very brave Tatooinian say uh, to the Inquisitors, this is the Outer Rim, uh, you have no rights here. And just immediately Third Sister is like, nah, I'm, not, I'm not playing games, and just slices her hands off, hand off. Um, and then puts her lightsaber up to Owen's neck and is just like trying to, by, by brutal brute force or any means necessary, uh, hunt down any other Jedi that might be on this planet. And, and Owen does make the choice of protecting Obi-Wan. Like he could mm-hmm. just give him up right there. Yep. You know, he could do, he, he has that, that line, you know, um, that about something referencing how he, how he, he thinks all the Jedis are fools or something along Jedi those lines. Jedi are vermin. I kill them. In my vermin. Farm. Yeah. Yeah. Which and, I think is, and, I think is what he actually thinks. So I think like yeah. he is able to resist. He's not lying. Yeah, or Reva I think doesn't see a, a necessity to like do her power of reading into his mind 
Because I think just from his emotions and he's using the truth to fuel it, like, I think that is how he actually feels. Like, he hates the Jedi. He blames them for all of the the danger that Luke is in. And Luke is his child. Like, he's had he's raised Luke from literally being an infant. So well, I remember, can totally Luke's, understand Owen's mindset here. Right. And Luke's grandmother is Owen's adopted mother. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand that, you know, the Jedi to him caused his adopted mother to die and so he has this deep hatred uh from a young age to to despise the jedi and so yes he's kind of hiding in plain sight to the inquisitors um and it's not clever wordplay he's just being honest and 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 they're able to to get by there Um, but he could very much just to end it all you know give up uh um uh, obi-wan but at the same time he could also give up he would be giving up anakin not anakin luke um, yeah. because they're going to ask him what more do you know about the jedi you know how do you know this what's your relationship yeah so he does make a conscious choice to kind of just give them what they want at the same time stay a distance away and keep his mouth shut um and that's why when yeah, obi-wan he, later is like thank you he's like i didn't do it for you right right yeah. Which makes, I mean, Owen's just a great character. And then in, uh, w- I'm not sure if we're, this is the last we're going to see of them on here on Tatooine. Um, but for the time period, you know, it does bring, um, put a ribbon on the Luke story. You know, it, it puts a little bow on it. Um, but the, it is a great parallel to see uh, Luke Skywalker, young Luke Skywalker on the top of the, of the, the hut, um, the, the, uh, trying to pretend like he's riding his speeder, yeah. you know, which is very much remnant of young Anakin um, in the, in, in the pod racing scene, you know, wearing mm-hmm. a hat, you know, and, and you can tell that Obi-Wan, when he first met Anakin probably, you know, saw seeing young Luke, you know, through his, his binoculars, you know, is feeling like, wow, he's, he's turning just into his father. I need to get into there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, what does George Lucas always say that it like star Wars is like a, like a chorus, like it echoes, all of these these moments uh, replay over and over because it's like music, yeah, something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, it's a it's like a song that we all know. Yeah, um, and in the chorus of a song that we all know. Yeah. Uh, so, Jason, let's talk about Alderaan. We get to see uh, the the surface of the planet Alderaan. Um, I, I mean, I guess we saw pieces of it uh, previously in episode four, but... Um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you just exploded pieces of burning Alderaan, yeah. <laughs> but it, it is, I think it's, I think this is a great move to, like, really show the citizens of Alderaan, to show the cities, to show the, 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 the forest, like, to really, like, give it character and establish how, how tragic it is later when it just gets um, so callously and instantaneously destroyed. Yeah. So I think it's Alderaan, really great to have it here. Alderaan has always been known as like a very neutral, peaceful planet um, in the galaxy. And uh, in, in Bail Organa being, you know, the, the, the ruler on Alderaan that, that layers get layers given to um, in the end of episode three, um, you know, we're going to see his, his, not his palace, his, his people. Um, we're going to see, you know, the, the paradise that Alderaan basically is, which is very much a, um, it's a, it's a forest planet, but it has rich diversity, um, of ecology and, and, uh, it's, it's very much 
um, like it's a, 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 a shining analog, city right? on the hill almost. Yeah. yeah, it's an earth analog. Yeah, it's just it's not threatening in any way. It's not like a major industrial industrial planet. You know, they don't have many manufacturing output, uh, outputs. It's like it's it's like uh, it's just like a home world. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a it's a, it's a it's a suburb, if you will, of yeah. of the galaxy. It, and it's and, an important uh, seat in the Galactic Senate. Um, I think that's its major right. significance. Yeah, and because they have some money. Um, so, but we get the the introduction to to Leia here is mm. actually a switcheroo moment, where <laughs> where Leia has convinced one of her handmaidens to to uh, put on her 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 wardrobe and pretend to be here so she doesn't have to go uh, and participate in royal events. And this is very much like Queen Amidala uh, does with her handmaidens, so uh, she can listen in on to uh, as as Padme, you know, as as one of her handmaidens in disguise. Yeah, um, and you were just saying so how we saw that parallel with Luke, mother. and like, yeah, 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 paralleling her mother right off the bat. You know, we know that this she is her mother's daughter, and uh, we're going to see more of it as this episode goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, the. Uh, what makes what you know what actually I'm sorry that's that's one of my lose big three I'm gonna save that question for later um, the we see Lola uh, sorry we see Leia running through the woods and she has this little uh, hovering droid called Lola which looks like a fix it from batteries not included and I don't think that's yes an it accident. looks exact no it looks exactly like a fix it from batteries not included it's kind of yeah. looks like a little disc with one big eye and these kind of um, beetle-like wings that come off of it and, mm-hmm. and help it help it move. But when it, when it lands, it has two mechanical uh, bird-like legs that come down, just like batteries not included. And um, it has, you know, Lola is, I mean, of course, Disney has this down to a science of making cute, adorable droids. They just, mm-hmm. they just know how to do it now. And I bet you they have just books, books of droids that they're just waiting to put, pick from. But Lola just walks into it. And you can already buy Lola droids right now. Of course. Um, yeah. Toys. <laughs> and they very much do a lot of the things that this droid does. Yeah. Um, and in, in Lola, like R2-D2, doesn't talk, but uh, has uh, little arms that'll come out Later on in the episode, we see a, a little blade that comes out like R2s, mm-hmm. um, you know, to help try to, to get Leia to escape uh, in the next episode. But but they have character, and uh, and it's it's kind of like a, a pet for yeah. uh, for for Leia. Um, and, but Leia does identify Lola as a she for for no particular reason other than the name, and we have to accept it. So Lola is gender female. Yeah, which. Um is un, a little uncommon for uh, no it's not never mind I, I just thought of like three examples so i'm going to i'm going to cut that out um the we do see when she's like so she's also kind of doing the same things as luke We're, there's a lot of parallels between these twins luke and leia like she's climbing a tree and she's looking to the sky and she's you know imagining where all of these ships are going so she's just like luke she's got her head in the clouds she's thinking about going to other worlds and having adventures and not being stuck would, in her station. I would say a whole lot more like Ray 
because um, Ray did the same thing on Tatooine, looking at the ships as they left the spaceport and could identify every single ship that le- left the spaceport because that's what she did. Um, mm, yeah. And then, of course, later on, Ray, Ray's training, Luke's training, running through the woods, you know, with Yoda becoming a Jedi. It's a very similar type uh, scenes that we see of characters running through the woods. Um, and then Grogu's training, of course, later on as well. Um, mm. But it's poor, poor young Leia. She's it, the actor's young. She's tiny, and she's awkwardly running through the woods. And she's got this kind of <laughs> this kind of like bumbling walk to her, as as a kid does, a little child does. And it's not. And, and I don't mean to laugh about it, but it's like it's, she's not very nimble. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, but it she's, comes she's up. She's a kid, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a more comical moment later on where she's chased um, by by the goons and she's like, "How can these goons not catch her? That, like she's so slow." <laughs> that's the only thing that I've seen in this series so far. I'm just gonna say that was not good. It was not good. That was not well filmed. That chase scene. It's absurd that these three adults can't outrun her. They get thwarted by low branches and they just cannot hop over them. Or move around them. Right. That is, I love this show. I love everything they've shown me so far, except that chase scene. That was absurd. <laughs> yeah, if, if you ever, as an adult, tried to chase like a six-year-old around to catch them from doing something, it's not that difficult. Yes, they're going to yeah. get into something, but but you can definitely outrun a child. It's, Especially if it's there's something three of you. you can do. Especially there's if there's three, three of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we get to that, though, the there's a really great scene where. Bail Organa is having this um, uh, political party or like get together or whatever, and her Leia's cousin is going to be there, um, and uh, we see that like the that kid's dad is kind of kind of sucks because he's he's like all excited that the oh the Empire is finally lining some pockets huh, uh, so we see what his um, well we have a we have, we have a, one of the mentions a very the few mentions about slavery here. Mm-hmm. And and how uh, the B- Bail Organa wants to talk about it. You know, he doesn't think slavery is important and shouldn't be part of the empire um, and in the order of the republic. And and uh, and he's like, we don't talk politics here or something along the lo- lines of that. I'm here to eat your food, yeah, um, your delicious food, which is so awful, you know. And 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 so it's- we have to now realize that a lot of these, a lot of we have to acknowledge that a lot of the empire and the people of this, this Republic, um, they, they want slavery for financial reasons. And it kind of paints it to a similar light of what we were going through in the development of the United States and, and how awful that is. Yeah. Um, it shows how a, the empire could, has, has won because they, they, people already benefit from what the empire is doing and they don't, and they don't want to, they want it. They're comfortable sweeping it under the rug because it benefits them directly whether it's slave labor, taxation of the outer rims, like as long as they don't have to see it and deal with it and they get a little profit from it, like they're okay with whatever the empire is doing. Right, right. And and it's very interesting that we introduce it here because we haven't really talked about the slave labor of the empire much throughout the entire series of Star Wars, except for the episodes one, two, and three. So Mm. 
So it's very, very much on the mind of, of the Organas as being this, you know, ethical center of goodness um, in the galaxy. And it really positions yeah. them well as, as Bale and um, Breha, which is Leia's adopted mother, um, to, to be, you know, really good um, influences to, to Leia's life. Totally. Um, I like how Breha looks. Uh, you can tell they, they, the costume designers and uh, the hair and makeup team, they made... Uh, the Organas look like what Leia does in episode four, five, and six. So mm-hmm. the, the 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 white outfit that Breha wears is very remnant of the white kind of flowy outfit that Leia has in episode uh, four, A New Hope. And then they're all wearing some form of braids, which I guess is the the standard on on Alderaan. That kind of you know, the, not the bun braids, but you know some form of of hair braid, which is very much a, a cultural representation of how women do their hair. So it echoes the original, you know, four, five, and six movies back all the way back from nineteen seventy seven. Hmm. Uh, we see this uh, protocol droid. I think I think its name is Lyo, um, bringing something over. And Leia says, "Thank you, Lyo." Um, and her cousin is a little jerk, and he's like, "You don't need manners talking to lower life forms." Uh, and she claps right back with, uh, "Well, I guess I don't need manners talking to you then." Mm-hmm. That that like uh, classic Princess Leia sass that we love. Right, um, and she says. Uh, he says, you're not a real Organa, and she just reads him, just absolutely reads him up and down, and she's like, well, you're scared of your father, and, you know, you only say the things that he says because you're scared of him. Um, she's one step away from performing some type of Jedi mind trick. On I was going to say, do you, you think know, this is, like, her Force sensitivity showing that she, whether she's aware of it or not, she's really good at reading people because, like, she just has this innate ability yeah, it, it it could be force sensitivity. It could be just she's a a really really uh, observant child, and we notice that mm. she's observing even the complex relationships of the ships that are coming in and out of of Alderaan. She understands the implications of having a certain ship, certain people, what their motives are. So mm-hmm. she is so aware of the motives of individuals, which makes her a good leader. You know, and, and we're gonna, of course, we we talk about that later on in the next episode, um, how her mother was and and how how she uh, Obi Wan can see that in her. Um, but but yeah, those qualities of no. Knowing people and understanding them and their motives makes either you're able to manipulate them or inspire them. And that's something that Leia does eventually. Mm. Um, and then later uh, we see Bale talking to her and, and you know, telling her she's got to apologize to her cousin and um, talking about how she's going to be a senator one day and she doesn't want to be a senator, which is why you'll be one of the best. Um, and yeah. She, but she's, her harsh burns are, I think, are, are the are what should make define the character. We want I want to see more harsh burns from from young Leia. Oh yeah, we're going to talk about some really choice lines she gets in the next episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I want I wanted to really like lay into them and, and just like some sick burns coming out of this young child. But yeah, then we get uh, we get this chase scene that we talked about a moment ago with Flea, Flea and his two incompetent uh, bounty hunter friends chasing Leia through the woods. <laughs> um, I, I loved Flea actually, like as, as bumbling and, and dumb as he was, as he was at catching a child. I mean, he eventually does, but, um, I loved seeing him in this role. I thought he was fantastic. Oh yeah. He works really well. He's got that great kind of look of creepy goon, 
but you know, he can deliver a line and it, it works really well. Um, I want more, more fully, but mm. you know, we just got a little snippet of him, uh, trying to catch, catch her. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm surprised, uh, that they didn't catch her. They should have just waited under the bridge. Mm-hmm. See what, see what oh, I did there. No. Oh, I see. Nice. I'm trying to think of another. Yeah, I, I don't have anything. That was good, Jason. <laughs> that was a good one. Well, eventually, eventually they do catch her. I think he might have known, uh, just like Obi-Wan, he had the higher ground. Oh, did he, though? Get it? Higher ground? No. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a good, I mean, it's a good thing that uh, they didn't uh, hurt her because then she would have had some scar tissue. Yep. 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 Danny California. Um, Ro- so- <laughs> Robot Street Dinos for all of your hate mail. <laughs> Californication. Uh, yes. so- <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we see uh, Nari is hung in the, the, this is the young Jedi, uh, hung in the public square in Tatooine. So it's implied that the uh, Inquisitors caught him and strung him up. Um, and, and-, and, the, and the, they didn't hang him by his neck. Which is uh, interesting. Which is interesting. They, the designers, the directors, they, they, she, uh, Deborah Chow, she consciously made that decision not to do that because that's very symbolic and significant for our culture. You know, mm-hmm. we, we know that death by hanging by neck is, is, is something that um, if we made that parallel to this story, it, it could mean something different. And, and she didn't do that. And I kind of I understand why she did it. You know, it's a sensitive thing. You don't want to, you know, make that comparison there. Um, that makes sense. Although they, she could have, they, could, they could have hung uh, the, the Jedi by his, his ankles upside down. They could have strung him up to a pole or post or something. They could have burned the Jedi at the stake. You know, they, but, but they hung him. Uh, just with a series of, of ropes um, in the in the in the town square there to see what what we do to Jedi. I haven't really seen the Handmaid's Tale, but I've heard like fans saying that it's it's a very similar visual. Like they seem to do that a lot in the Handmaid's Tale for the same purpose. It's you know to show the people this is what happens when you dissent. This is what happens when you rebel. Um, yeah, it was the common thing in history of you know people of power doing you know. Uh, but at the same time, public executions were attended as uh, entertainment. So it, it really messed up history we have. Uh, but this is also what convinces Obi-Wan to get back in the action because, you know, this this kid came to him for help earlier. He found him uh, when he when he was outside of the, the Lars's farm um, and he begs him to, you know, help him out and. And this is when Obi-Wan dismisses him. And I think Obi-Wan feels guilty and he feels like maybe he could have done more. Maybe he could have saved this kid. Uh, but the, then, but he's gotten this message from Bale uh, asking him for help finding Leia because she was kidnapped. Uh, he says he's got no ransom, no leads. Um, but he reaches out to Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan is his only hope. And mm-hmm. I think this moment, like seeing Nari hung is what convinces him to, uh, to, to go after her. Yeah, maybe um, we have what what we um, Bail Organa comes to the planet and actually talks to him in person uh, mm-hmm. after you know communicating uh, through the interstellar communicator that he has stored away um, in his cave. Um, but he has this one line, this line to him. He says, "One last fight," and it's like we know that it's not just one last fight. 
Like we know the overall story and how could a Jedi have just one last fight? Um, mm-hmm. this, this child has their whole entire life ahead of them. So that, that is an overstatement by a lot, you know, when, when Bail Organa says that to him, you know, cause it's, it's more than just one last fight. Um, it, there's this, there's a cool droid buried outside of Obi-Wan's cave that mm-hmm. acts as a security system. And it looks like a part of an R2 unit, you know, as R2 units come up and down and it gives a little green or red to show if someone's been there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, does, does Obi-Wan have an R2 unit buried outside his cave or something like, or is it just part of a, of a security system? I think he might. I feel like this is something we've seen in like throwaway shots or cutaway shots in Star Wars before, like just a, like a probe thing coming up out of the sand, looking around and then ducking back under. Um, yeah, R2 does that in A New Hope. Um, oh, that's, oh, that's, yes, you're right. That's where I've seen it. Okay, so yeah, I th- it might be. I or think it, you're right that it's an R2 not, unit or, or maybe a piece of one. Not a, not a New Hope. I think it's a Return of the Jedi when uh, him and, and uh, uh, C-3PO fall off the sand barge, uh, Jabba's sand barge into the yes. sand dunes and they pick them up with magnets, I guess, later on. But we yeah. see that, that kind of familiar, like, look around from the sand. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, yeah, Obi-Wan just goes, uh, gets passage on a ship, flips back his robe <coughs> so the audience can see he's got his lightsaber on his belt, which not the smartest thing to do when <laughs> you're hiding. But, no, uh, and, yeah. And, and like, like, he's not, he's, he's not inconspicuous. He's very yeah. conspicuous. You know, for a Jedi the same robes hiding, the Jedi wear. <laughs> right. For a Jedi supposedly in hiding, he's got the same Jedi robes and he's got the lightsaber right on his side and showing it to everyone. <laughs> yep, I'm back. <laughs> This is not a good choice, Obi-Wan. You're supposed to blend in. Didn't you learn anything? Uh, but he gets on a ship headed for Dio, and that's uh, I think that's where the episode kind of ends. Did we did we skip yeah, over anything and, important? Did we miss anything? Well, the fact that he goes and digs the uh, digs his lightsabers out of the sand, you know, the ceremonial right. thing of going to find them, having them. He told uh, the Jedi, previous Jedi, that he go bury those in the sand. That's exactly what he did. He buried them. How he mm-hmm. knew how to get them must have been uh, some force sensitivity because it's a right. massive Lawrence of Arabia sand dune area that he has it buried in. Like, how do you find it? It's a needle in the haystack. You know, but I, he knows exactly where to look. Yeah, I think it is that that, that a Jedi has, because they build their own lightsaber, they have like a direct uh, force connection to the kyber crystal inside mm-hmm. of it so i think it's like just reaching out he could he could easily find it um and the reveal and that we see two lightsabers buried in the sand mm-hmm. you know we have his and uh anakin's lightsaber and it's a nice bookend to the end of uh episode nine when ray uh comes back and buries her lightsaber in the sand yep. um or luke and leia's lightsabers not hers anymore yep yeah um, exactly Jason, are you ready for uh, Lose Big 3 before we move on to episode two? Uh, no, this, this is going to be Jason's, Jason's – uh, I'm going to do Jason's Big 3 first. Okay, this is the second okay. question I have. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. All right, so Lola's on the ship with the pirates, right, the goons, right? Mm-hmm. She's tied to a chair, right? We see mm-hmm. her tied to the chair, right? Why do they have a child-sized chair on the ship? Because they know they're going to kidnap her, or they've kidnapped. They have a little tiny. 
they have a tiny little kitty chair like you'd find in a preschool on the ship. I have a better answer. I have a better answer. It's because it's because there are other species that we see as like bounty hunters and things. I can imagine like a Jawa or what's that guy Rio from Solo that was uh, the, John, the guy that John Favreau played. So we see like okay. small characters. Uh, small aliens doing things that you know other other humans do, tall humans do. Um, so it could be that flea. <laughs> what's his name? Vect Vect Nokru had a, a Jawa or had some small alien creature as part of his crew at one point. Um, so he has to sort of sorbet of tables and chairs sure, yeah. on his pirate ship on his good ship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also breaks <laughs> Lola. We forgot to mention that he like stop. He just stomps on her. Um, yeah, he says, I'm not afraid of you. You, you, you. What do you say? You will be or something like that? Or, you or, will be. No, that's Yoda. You will be. Yeah. You will be. I'll, um, okay, what's your, uh, what's your third question? <laughs> oh, no, we'll get to the third question. Go, let's okay. go move on to the... All right. Uh, Jason's Big Three, it's you and me. We're going to have fun with Jason's Big Three and Blue's Big Three. Blue's Big Three, number one. You, you you mentioned this earlier when we're seeing Ben work at the meat factory. He just kind of in front of everybody tucks this, he packages up a piece of meat, tucks it right into his robes, and then just walks over to the gonk droid to clock out. How does nobody see that, call him out on it? Especially when we see the foreman of this work place, like, ripping people off and getting mad at them for asking for their their promised wages. How does Ben get away with this? How does that happen? Like, I I don't know. How do you explain maybe, that? <laughs> well, the first thing I can see is there's only one droid, the Gonk droid, right? So that's uh-huh. the only droid there. So they're not really being monitored by anyone. Maybe they're on some sort of honor system. You know, as, as long as you produce, like, and there's a limited time frame that they can probably harvest this meat. So it's not about what you take, you know, yourself. It's about what you give to the foreman you know so as long as you're producing to the foreman take what you want maybe Mm -hmm. um because it's all going to go to waste eventually there's going to be leftovers that are going to go to waste um but i i don't know it it seemed very unusual that he was allowed to do those things especially if they're nickel and diming him i agree it's like it's like him flashing the lightsaber right before he gets on the ship. It's it's clearly for the audience. It is not we're right. supposed to just ignore that whether or not anybody in universe can see it. It's just for us to see it happen. Uh, I do or, like that we see um, the the same thing we see with Ray when she gets her portions, like when he's making the food. I think the way that they visualize like the way food when they cook it is so cool. Uh, it's just very yeah. I wish the we instant. Had that. The instant stew, very yeah. The echo of Ray making her little instant bun. They did it again uh, with him in this cave making food. Um, or, or here's a theory: mm-hmm. he is using his Jedi powers to allow him to do all these things because yeah. he these Jedi <laughs> mind tricks is is his powers of persuasion. He's probably come under fire before. It's like you don't have to worry about you know the meat I'm stealing from you. You know, um, okay. you know this is this. It, there's nothing going on here, you know, uh, move along that type of thing, you know? So oh, the, yeah. he, he has that ability. It, it's probably if he was encountered, uh, he, if he was confronted about it, he just used his Jedi mind trick in the past. So it's a good thing this foreman is not a Tordarian because then it wouldn't work. Right. Um, lose big three, number two. Or Watto. doesn't work on Watto. Yeah, he's a Tordarian, yeah. Oh, he's a Tordarian? See, yeah. I, I don't know that. 
because um, that's what he says. Like your Jedi mind tricks don't work on Twi'darian. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what what makes Liz lose victory number two? What makes Leia a princess? What makes her princess Leia? Because nobody ever calls Bail King Organa or uh, or Queen. What's her name? Queen. Queen Amidala. She's no, not, no, no. Ba- oh, Bail's here's wife. another thing. What's Bail's wife's name? Leia's mom. Uh, you said it a moment ago. That B- Brea, Brea, Brea. No one ever calls her Queen Brea or him right. King Bail. So what makes her princess Leia? No idea. Oh, no wait, idea is it all. because she's actually Princess Amidala's daughter? Yeah, but then, no, the, but then that's, if that, that's the case, they that, would know her hiding. lineage. And that, yeah, she's in hiding. So what makes her Princess Leia? Why in episode four do they call her Princess Leia? So I think in the Galactic Republic order, the head of planets are called kings and queens. And I was trying to actually come to this determination when I was watching episode one and two, because Queen Amidala is not a lineage queen. She is an elected official and she has a reign and then she is removed from office and becomes a senator. Right. You know, you don't get removed from office if you're a queen. So I think queen is a title that that's appointed in the galactic order. So at that time, I think they are king and queen as the heads of state. Um, it's, it's not quite a monarchy. It's, it's kind of a, a little different. Um, and I, I don't understand why we're using those terms, but, but I think it's just queen and king are the implied title that they give to heads of state. I think we're using planets. those terms because when George Lucas made episode four, uh, he just wanted yeah. her to be the space princess that the young hero goes and rescues. And that's why we're stuck using those terms uh, uh, 40 years later. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't match up to what real monarchies are, but but yeah, yeah we're stuck using them. <laughs> but yeah, it is, I'm watching episode one again, like, why are we calling her a queen? And then she's removed and becomes a senator and there's a new queen of yeah. Naboo. Like, what's, what's, hap- what's happening? Because they call their government democracy. And as far as I know, monarchy and democracy are not the same thing. <laughs> But no, you don't vote to elect the qu- a king or queen. That's not what happens. Um, lose big three, number three. How does Reva know that Leia is Anakin's daughter? I have no idea. I have no clue. That's Wait, a big one. Vader doesn't even know that, <laughs> that she's his daughter. Vader doesn't know. But, but apparently... Unless, oh, I don't know. I really don't know. Like, what are the intentions that motivate Flea and the goons to come to capture Leia Organa? You know, like, what makes her know that unless she was involved with the Jedi? That's the only thing I can think of. Mm -hmm. Somehow she has information that the other Inquisitors don't because of her relationships with the Jedi. Mm-hmm. That's the only conclusion I can come with. I can come to. Yeah. Cause she, I mean, she knows, she knows that Anakin is Vader, which I don't think is, is meant to be common knowledge, even like amongst the empire. Um, and certainly not if, if Anakin himself does not know 
that his daughter is alive. It's, I don't know, it's, I, I hope that's, I hope that is something that they answer by the end of this. I hope that they show us why Reva knows that, because it, it stood out to me, um, and I, could, I couldn't find an explanation either. But, yeah, uh, it has to be something to do with her relationship with the Jedi previously, and she has some inside knowledge there. Okay, so that's, uh, those are my big three questions uh, for episode one. Did you have one more question before we move on to... No, my, my last big three is episode for two. episode two. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so cool. So we're let's move right into talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi season one, episode two, part two. Um, yeah, the, these episodes don't get names. They're just part one, part two, et cetera. But um, yeah. And and the the episodes are different in length. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a big difference in, in how much how long each episode is well, the first one versus the second one. The second one is definitely shorter, but there's more action to it. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah, um, there's a lot of setup that happens in the first episode. So uh, this episode also has uh, Kamal Nanjani in it, um, Flea once again, uh, Jimmy Smits, and of course our boy Ewan McGregor, um, directed by Deborah Chow, Joby Harold. Uh, this starts right out with uh, Obi Wan getting to Dayu. Um, this uh, I think it's a cool looking planet. It's kind of like Coruscant, but Coruscant is like like a whole entire planet is is the city. Um, but this looks like a very, like, it's similar to Corellia. Like, it's very industrial, but also um, a lot of neon signs and a lot of, like, a lot of downtown life, it looks like. And, and there's yeah, a lot of seedy the underworld here. Yeah, the production design, um, they described IU as being, you know, where signals are blocked. Mm. Trying to find the signal that was tied to the ship. People like um, their people secrets. like their secrets around here. Yeah, so um, it's it's a it's a place where people go to not be noticed. Mm-hmm. And um, the style of the city re- kind of reminds me of like Blade Runner. Yes, it's got that neon futuristic aesthetic to it, which which takes a lot of of, of Eastern cities into account, um, especially in the in the seventies and eighties. That's kind of how they looked as industrialization really ex- exploded. Um, in the east and i i i like how uh it's similar to episode one and episode two particularly uh with the neon signs the billboards the advertisements um using that that uh galactic script that they have you know we don't understand what it says yeah exactly what it says but we know it's there and there's probably some uber uber fans out there super fans that really really can tell us what each one of those signs say um but you the can production yeah, design is a great a, job like one for one character replacement for the uh english Absolutely. alphabet so I, yeah if you spent the time you definitely can go and translate every one of those signs that are seen and and after going back and seeing episode two again it made me really appreciate the design of episode two um when 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 they're having that chase scene, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin through the streets and all the cool locations when they go into the bar, for example, like all, there's a lot of practical stuff that's happening as well as the green screen work. So yeah. that those moments, uh, recreating them here really resonate well. Um, they're, they're awesome parallels of, it, of it, the it, two movies. This one is missing uh, Ellen Sleesbagano uh, trying to sell death sticks. So I guess that's a good thing. We know that Obi-Wan really helped him turn his life around. <laughs> the death stick. Yeah, the death stick. Yeah. You want to go home and rethink your choices? I want to go home and rethink my choices. Uh, do you remember that that's Mouse from The Matrix? 
I I didn't know that. I was looking yeah. at him like this guy looks familiar. What is it? What's going on? Yeah. Oh, it's Malice from the Matrix. Okay. And he has the the best Star Wars ridiculous name ever, Ellen Sleesbagano. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty on the nose there, isn't it? <laughs> Um, so a couple of cool things happen before we really get into the plot of this episode, just some world building. Uh, one, Tamar, Tamar Morrison gets, gets to play the Yay! role he's best at once again. Uh, and he's this old wow. clone that's just kind of sitting on the street and he's asking for, you know, spare credits, help a veteran get a warm meal. Uh, something that stood out to me is his, uh, armor that he's kind of wearing part of his clone trooper uniform and yeah. um, it's uh, it's the five hundred first armor. So that that right. means right. he is one of the clone troopers that went into the temple with Anakin uh, when he went to, right. to like take out all of the Padawans. And the, the question that we have is: Is his chip still functional from Order sixty six? Is he noting that it, it, if that is in fact? Anakin, and I'm sorry, Anakin, uh, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Is he going to rise up and compulsively try to attack him and murder him? That's a good um, question. Because uh, these aging, these aging stone, uh, clone troopers um, are, are everywhere. You know, they're, they're not serving a function uh, anymore in the Empire, as we've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they still serve a punk- function for the Inquisitors. Uh, the Inquisitors have similar ideas and goals and and um similar you know uh, missions to the, uh, the the clone troopers that have their chips we see in now this is going to bring us into from bad batch uh the chips can be turned off mm-hmm. um it takes a lot to turn off an inhibitor chip uh um and is this clone trooper uh, is he, he's the one that have removed or turned off the inhibitor chips um Doesn't the next season like of bad batch like- maybe looks like he's in hard times, like he's, you know, down on his luck. I, I don't I don't think that he escaped from this life. I think he's still just a, a broken veteran of this war and who was discarded by the Empire once they didn't have use for these veterans anymore. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the the bridge the gap between Bad Batch and this uh, series because yeah. there is a good story to be told about the clone troopers um from that time period. Um and, and I, that, that's a that's a phenomenal story about like redemption and and uh, um, how you could be more than your 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 past and your 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 makings and and, and uh, overcoming uh, uh, adversity. I like this moment a lot because Obi Wan, right before he sees him, he says, uh, "If I ever needed guidance, Master," and then he you know turns and sees this clone trooper. He hears him begging for money uh, for credits. Um, so it's clear, like this is this is the sign that uh, Obi Wan's looking for, and I I just it it kind of like wrenched my heart a little that um, Obi Wan would instantly recognize like the armor he's wearing, he would know exactly what this guy did, but also would know he knows about the the chip, he knows that you know these it wasn't their fault, they weren't acting, they weren't committing this evil act. Um, they were literally almost programmed like droids and couldn't help it. So I like the fact that he has compassion for him. He gives him a little bit of credits. Um, and then that leads him to uh, the spice dealer that comes up and, and offers him uh, Kessel Pure, Glitter Stem, or Felution Spice. 
which is a great little bit of world building that we have like different grades or different types of spice. Uh, these, yeah, these, these drug dealers these, are selling. These uh, the, the putting a bow on the, the the troopers there. It's a good moment because it. it these are the reason. This is the reason why Obi Wan Kenobi's in hiding, Order sixty six, mm-hmm. and the show that he's not afraid of them. He can go up to them and approach them and 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 be comfortable and not threatened by them. It shows real change in the times, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you know him coming out and realizing the world is much different than what it was before. Um, but yeah, the spice dealer. This is awesome. This is fantastic, and this is great Star Wars stuff. You know, we, we don't hear much about the spice. They reference it a lot in Episode one and two, and kind of the talking of Star Wars and the trade. And it's a big um, thing in Solo. They go to the Kessel Spice yeah, Mines. Exactly. The the there it's it's what fuels the galaxy is the spice. So you don't really understand much about it and then we talk about it more we're learning more and more and more about how it is even into the seedy underworld when we watch book of boba fett you know and, and uh the trading of spice on tattooing and uh and how these these crime lords are basically controlling it mm-hmm. um and it makes sense that we have this you know, street urchin peddling spice on the street you know of different strengths and potencies and and uh, and and the, give the giving the first one free to uh, to Obi Wan free spice for Obi Wan, yeah. and then uh, the, if if anyone that does the deep dive into the internet looking at what's actually going on here, that's Ewan McGregor's real life daughter uh, oh. performing the role, and Did he gets to play that. opposite her. Yeah, that's lovely. That's that's, cool. a, that's cute. That's a sweet moment. Yeah. Uh, we also just casually see a couple stormtroopers, uh, which, you know, just establishes the Empire's presence here and domination. And yep. they're just, you know, doing their typical stormtrooper. All right, break it up. Out of the way. Kind of. Yeah. Out of my way. Um, out of the way. And then this other kid. Uh, so the spice dealer, it's very important to note, gives him that that one little bottle of spice as on the house because um, that he that he has a Walter White moment with that later on. Um, yeah. And then this other kid. uh uh, says uh, tell, tells Obi-Wan there's a Jedi that helps people. Um, he sees that this old man needs help and he's, he decides to take him to this, this quote-unquote Jedi, Haja Estri. Uh, Jason, how long, how long did it take you to figure out that this guy was not what he seems to be? Well, as soon as I saw it was uh, Kumail Nanjiani. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> this is, this is going to be hilarious, okay? Uh, but the, the, I love how... Uh, Obi-Wan must have, he must be an obvious mark, you know, for a con artist coming to the streets here. He must look like he's lost and out of place because yep. all the street urchins go to him, you know, and for some reason they're all kids too, which is very sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that, that all of them flock to him to kind of, you know, to grift him. Um, and, but very quickly, Obi-Wan can see what's happening here. And he's like, yes, I'm going to find this, this, uh, this Jedi, show me this Jedi. Uh, and, and we meet, uh, Kamel Nanjiani. Uh, Haja Estri. Oh, Haja. Yeah. Haja. Haja. Haja Estri. Uh, and he's talking to and this family, a, he, um, that, uh, they want to get off the planet. They're, they're, um, and he's, he's telling them like, which, dock to go to what ship to get on and he gives them like pat a ticket to get onto the ship to escape uh and he is as he says later and i do believe him like genuinely helping them but at the same time using a lot of subterfuge and and trickery um he's using magnets to to wave his hand and close the windows of his room and um and yeah as as obi-wan points out magnets and remotes that's what he's using 
Um, I love this conversation between him and Obi-Wan, though, because he, so Obi-Wan tells him, you know, he's looking for this girl that was kidnapped, and he says uh, 500 to locate the girl, another 300 to take you to her. Um, and he says, uh, the shadows, the shadows of my, on my realm for the light is unforgiving place for my kind. And, uh, when, <laughs> when he's like, when he's telling him the price, Obi-Wan's like, oh, that's very, the light is, is unforgiving indeed, huh? <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of perfect how much show he's putting on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but the, the real sad subtext of, of, what's happening here is that he has a business of conning force sensitive individuals, Mm -hmm. kids, you know, force sensitive people that need to get off planet. And so it, it really shows us there's more out there. There's more children, more younglings that, that are looking for guidance, um, that, that, are being, you know, oppressed and forced to hide from the empire because of order 66. And, uh, in, in Kumail Anjiani, I mean, over time, he must have some sort of conscience cause he's seeing it now every day. It's now his everyday life of Khan. Um, but yeah, we, we take, uh, once Obi-Wan points out the grift points out, pulls the curtain back of, to what actually he's doing, uh, immediately quickly on the dive. He's like, yes, I'll help you. Just so very quickly. <laughs> and the question that, that I have is, is, is he doing this because he needs more or he needs redemption immediately? He knows that. Or it's just so mundane and boring what he's been doing year after year after year, you know, of, of, of conning people in the streets. I think it's a little bit of both. I think he genuinely has a conscience. I think he I think what's implied is that he knew Jedi. He must have known Jedi personally to know so much about them and how they act and how they operate and to be able to emulate one of them. So I, 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 my headcanon is that he was friends with the Jedi that got killed, um, learned a lot from them about their ways and kind of fell into this life of, of crime and being a con artist kind of out of necessity. Uh, I'm not for, I'm not giving him a pass, but, (laughs) but I, I like that story. He's clearly not like entirely evil or on the side of bad. He's, he tries to be a hero. Um, yeah, like I like that story. So like, yeah. he sees immediately someone he really cared about, uh, whether loved or cared about from his past in Obi-Wan. Immediately he, re- he responds to it, and that's why he agrees suddenly to, yes, I'll help you. you know, I, do love, I do love Obi-Wan's line, though, where he's like, um, in, in my experience, rats know more about the sewers than anyone else. Uh, it's just like so judgmental. <laughs> Full of metaphors. Uh, so he, but now we're, we're going to turn the story now uh, from what was like uh, convincing Obi-Wan to take up this cause now is turned to um, James Bond spied Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. um, uh, hunting down people, finding people. And this plot of the episode turns into a Luke Besson storyline. And for those people that know a lot of Luke Besson films, you know, he he did Leon, the professional um, starring you know Natalie Portman from mm-hmm. Star Wars. Uh, um, and then Taken, of course, uh, he wrote the storyline to Taken in the screenplay, of course, uh, uh, with Liam Neeson uh, leading that. Another Star Wars fan uh, rep- reference. And then, of course, he did the uh, he did he wrote the storyline to the transporter as well. And all of the he didn't direct those those films, but he, he wrote the premise and storylines to them. And all of his films have that similar um, protection 
uh, finding those that wrong justice or, you know, uh, saving uh, a person. Um, and this, this episode very much uh, echoes uh, those, those films. Um, yeah, I, I love that uh, it, it, it's it's very similar to episode two where he's like in this investigation mode and, you know, he's going around like um, Deckard, Deckard, what's his name from Blade Runner, like doing, you know, detective work in this yeah, neon through the, city. Through the seedy space. streets, right. Uh, yeah, and then we, uh, we get to see Obi-Wan kind of stealthily infiltrating this uh, this hideout, this compound. Spice gang. Uh, the spice den and he, he pulls an Indiana Jones and, and dresses up like one of the spice workers to mm. blend in, um, eventually causing havoc by, uh, creating an explosion in this, the lab. Yeah. He like overheats uh, a spice cooker to mm-hmm. cause a distraction. And then he, um, then he goes into the room where he thinks that they are hiding, uh, Leia. And of course it's a trap and flea is, but it's a trap. Flea is right behind him, and he's very proud of himself because this plan that should not have worked. Because Flea is absolutely right. Um, he's like, I didn't know, I, I didn't know a Jedi could bleed, and I'm surprised you fell for this. <laughs> Even he is right. surprised that it, his own plan worked on this guy. They must have been watching him from beginning, middle to end, uh, travel through the streets, and uh, he, he walked right into into the trap. Mm-hmm. Um, but he uses the. Uh, is this where he uses the, yeah, this is where he uses these, the, um, spice, uh, another cool line. Uh, he's like, you're just, Flea says, you're just a man, you're, ble- and, and you're bleeding all over my floor. And Obi-Wan's like, well, everybody bleeds. And then smashes the spice canister. Right. Um, and I like this because this is the first time I think we've seen kind of the effects of spice. Like we see it like. The, these bounty hunters get this, they inhale the spice and we see them immediately go into this like hallucinogenic state or something like that. Yeah, the euphoric effects of the spice, which is being traded amongst the galaxy. It's it's definitely a, a drug and uh, and it, it, it apparently it's fueling much of what the Empire is doing, um, or at least the see the underworld of, of the galaxy. Mm. But I like how it's like a it's like a ninja disappearance that he does. You know, he drops the spice in the gra- ground and a puff of smoke, you know, disappears from the from the room. Yeah. Obi-Wan the ninja. Uh, and then he finds Leia where she's actually being held. And her first uh, question is, well, where's the army? <laughs> they just sent you, <laughs> um, which is a very, very like direct parallel to when Leia gets uh, rescued by Luke and Han in episode four. It- yeah, more 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 quips. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper type thing? You know, like they're Leia's Leia's quips are are uh, what we're seeing here recreated in Tiny Leia. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, uh, "You seem kind of old and beat up." Um, she again just reads him uh, directly, immediately, and thoroughly. And um, he, she, uh, of course, doesn't trust him at first. She's like, well, what if you're the real kidnapper and and whatever, and, and they just kind of have to trust each other. But he came... Yeah, they he- set up this this kind of conflict here, um, which, which pays off later on in the episode. But the fact that she doesn't even believe that he's a Jedi. I mean, yeah. she has never seen a Jedi before in her entire life. She's heard stories. I'm assuming she has. She's very observant. She's very attuned to what's happening in the world and the universe. Uh, the galaxy, and uh, she she uh, she she doesn't believe 
in Jedi's even. Um, she, she knows what's practical uh, and people. She knows people. Mm-hmm. So uh, she she only can see kind of like this negative, pessimistic view of what the events are ahead of her. Yeah, because she's never seen one. Like they were all purged. Uh, mostly, most of them were purged uh, right when she was born, um, literally the same day. So, uh, so yeah, she, in, in her 10 years of life, she's never seen one, but like, I'm sure that she's pressed her dad to tell her stories about his adventures with the Jedi. And so she knows enough about them, but yeah. Right. And just like Owen, the Organas probably did everything they can to remove Jedi from their life, you know, just to make sure it's not part of what they're associated with. Um, just because of how toxic order 66 was. And, uh, we find out that the Grand, the Grand Inquisitor did not know about this plan to kidnap Leia to draw out Obi-Wan. It was entirely Reva going rogue. Uh, he he uh, presses her on it. He's like, you would kidnap a senator's daughter. And she's just like, we've done worse. And she's probably not wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But that's when he kind of tries, he like dresses her down and condescends to her like, you you can't mask what you are. You're the least of us. You came from the gutter. Um, he seems yeah. To, we get that that yeah. scene where Reva is is definitely discarded to the side of the Order of the Inquisitors. Yeah, you know, and she takes huge resentment to that. She and it it kind of she gets a chip on her shoulder. She's like, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna rise above um, what you think I am. And 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 uh, we get this this kind of the second time they're really butting heads since the first episode uh, uh, moment, you know, where mm-hmm. we see that the Grand Inquisitor doesn't see eye to eye with Reba. Mm-hmm. And so she goes aside and puts the word out to all of the bounty hunters that are on Dayu uh, to go after Obi-Wan. And we see those little, like, bounty chips that we've seen in The Mandalorian um, with the little hologram. Yeah, and a big question that I have in Dayu, where you there's no signals and people like their sig- secrets. How can she do this? Right. That's yeah. I don't know. I, there, I have a lot of questions about the whole signals getting in and out because how, they, how is it a trade port? How do they get resources? How, yeah. It's, I don't know, man. That's, <laughs> that's another, that's like the chase scene in the last episode. I don't have an excuse for it. It, yeah, it's the, the, their own storyline they're kind of stepping on. It just, I, I didn't like that. Yeah, it's a it's a detail I can move past because the rest of the episode is so fun. But you're absolutely right. It doesn't it's incongruous with what they've established about this um, this planet. Um, we get another great little Leia quip. Uh, Obi is like buying uh, clothing so they can they can blend in. And he says, if anyone asks, we're farmers from Tor and you're my daughter. She's like, granddaughter, maybe. <laughs> Right. And this this moment here, particularly, it it grinds the entire episode to a halt, like a slow halt, unfortunately, yeah. uh, in, in what should be a chase sequence. And they're hiding and ducking for cover, uh, creeping around corners, you know, whispering. They're having this huge conversation out in the open. And it's kind of it again, it's it's not it's conspicuous. You know, he's very showy in this. And this, I think, is a, a fault of the episode where it could have been better. I'm not sure if they knew at the time when they're in production for it, but but on paper it looks great, but the way it's being applied, it just doesn't work. And I've heard a lot of critiques about the series in this because it seems boring in that 
regard. It doesn't have that action, that pace, that sense of urgency that it should. And also I think of obvious because it's, it's talk heavy. You know, there's a lot of talking going on in what should be an action sequence. And this is one of those moments just slows down to a halt right here um, until she breaks away from Obi-Wan and runs away. I hear what you're saying. I like it because of the character building. I like that it's showing like the relationship between them and how she doesn't trust him. Because when we get to episode four, she trusts Obi-Wan more than anybody. Like she, she's, yeah. she has the Death Star plans, which are the most valuable thing to the rebellion. And Obi-Wan Kenobi is who she trusts and risks everything to, to send them to. So you know, the, I think it's the important good thing- for this episode really establishes the foundation of that trust between the two of them. So I, I love this yeah. dialogue. I think it works really well for me. I, I hear what you're saying about how it slows down the pacing, but um, I didn't mind it. Yeah, the I think the brilliance of Leia is that she's quick-witted. And uh, she, it, this this is, I mean, she can tell that the young Leia is very, very intelligent and she's aware, but, you know, she doesn't need to talk so much about everything that's we're seeing you know it's it, uh, show us don't tell us and and i think they just just needed a little bit of editing there in the writing uh just to pick up the pace a little bit and we would still understand what was going on you know um of what's happening in the scenes and and that kind of to be honest it kind of makes me appreciate george lucas in writing of episode four you know that he really wrote that uh, them creeping around, you know, the Death Star, you know, their sense of urgency there with Leia's retorts and comments, you know, it, it, it really kept the pace going, you know, and, and this this is kind of, you know, it's I understand they're establishing the series, you know, they're establishing, you know, tone and stuff like that. But but I we, we all know this, you know, we've seen Star Wars before, you know, as, as, as Lucas said, it's that chorus that we've known. So we don't need to, you know, really say too much we understand what's happening here um, yeah yeah devil's advocate i mean maybe maybe this is a yeah. thing where we'll just agree to disagree but devil's advocate i think that this is another example like in the last episode of we're seeing leia's latent force abilities that she might not even be aware of and i think she's she's reading obi-wan and getting like i think the force is helping her realize um that he's hiding something she says how can i trust you when you're hiding something uh you think yeah. the, you think the less you say the less you give away but really it's the opposite and that's a very precocious thing for a 10 year old to, to say and realize but again if the force is helping her be so perceptive which is just my theory i'm not saying that's actually what's going on um then i can i can see her being like wise a little wise beyond her years and experience I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm surprised that Obi-Wan is not starting to treat her like a young Padawan. He already has talked about Owen and Luke and Luke showing. I'm surprised he's not asking or considering whether she's showing force powers and force sensitivity. Maybe we'll see that coming up in the next episode. He realized, oh, wait, no, wait, she should be one as well that we should be watching and, and paying attention to. But I'm surprised he's not at least trying, I don't use the word groom, but to, you know, trying to teach and and inspire her to explore the force. Um, That's a good point. Because it could be a, va- a valuable asset 
at this young age where she's very confused with the world and what's happening and, and uh, maybe find her a little piece in, in, but again, we're, this is her first introduction to the force and first introduction to Jedi. So maybe we they haven't had that conversation yet until we see that moment later on. Yeah. Um, we, we could see something like that in a future episode at the same time though, if like this little girl being so bold and brash, uh, the last thing you want to do is tell her that she might be able to become a Jedi because you know, then she's going to, she's going to lean into that and be impulsive and, and probably expose herself when, you know, her parents and Obi-Wan have been working so hard to keep her in hiding. Uh, I could see him, if he does realize that, deliberately not telling her, withholding that information from her. Yeah, and so we have to make the comparison, I guess, to uh, the Bad Batch and Omega, the the character, mm. the young female clone who's Force-sensitive in the Bad Batch, you know, t- to Leia, they're very much similar characters, um, mm-hmm. raised in different environments, and the people around them are are sworn to protect them and and uh, and bring them home safely. So it's a similar storyline that Dave Filoni had set up with Omega in the Bad Batch that we're kind of recreating here with Obi Wan. So the, they don't want to step on each other's toes, but again. Uh, Omega being super intelligent, super aware, having those clips um, with the force sensitivity, they're they're analogs. That's a good call out. Um, The Grand Inquisitor and the Fifth Brother are uh, chasing Obi-Wan with their resources while Riva employs her bounty hunters to chase him with her resources. And... um, the Grand Inquisitor. Fifth brother says, looks like, awesome. Fifth he does. Brother's I love scary. his design. I love his his he, outfit. He has he has these blue veins coming up his neck into his face, which look makes him look kind of undead. Like mm-hmm. he was like like kind of like the way um, Anakin kind of looks gray and weathered when you take off his helmet. Uh, you know, he kind of looks like he was rescued from death. Uh, and then of course his voice box being crushed and whatnot. And uh, he's, he's got this very 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 scary tone to to it yeah do you think it's a thing i mean you you kind of posited your theory earlier and i think it's a good theory that he could be like a jedi that was almost dead um and they the the empire used you know technology to resurrect him pretty much um and so that's why he has all of this this suit maybe that hat is part of like his life support system or something but uh is it, it is is it also like? Do you think it's it's that, and like that's why his skin is so pallid, or do you think he's just an alien, and that's what those aliens look like? I I I'm hoping it's the the effects of the dark side and the machines keeping him um, alive. Um, I kind of do too. I think it's a good theory. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good because we've seen people with augments before in the universe, and they're not like that. You know, yeah, like Saw Gerrera, uh, like. Yep, yep. Uh, um, uh, Lando's uh, a friend. Um, oh, Lobot? Lobot, Lobot. Being, oh, those uh, are different, though. Uh, Lobots are man. different. Lobots are horrifying. Um, Lobots are yeah. people. Formerly a man. Their, yeah, their whole brains, like, replaced by computer brains. And they're basically, I mean, they're right. basically slaves. Let's, let's, let's not uh, well, sugarcoat it. And then there's... There's the characters, the character over in the Bad Batch having the augments as well, similar to Lobot, and then mm-hmm. and then of course what was looking at the Mandalorian and um, uh, Book of Boba Fett, the entire uh, uh, gang, the biker gang, 
with the augments oh, as well. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I want to talk less about them. I hated that biker gang. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but we know that augmentation is a thing. Yeah, you know, you're necessity right. Necessity right. and also a thing of design. You know, even Anakin's gold arm, you know, stupid gold arm in episode two. Yeah. Um, there, there is a moment actually where uh, he is, Obi-Wan is... Is you know again we cut back to them trying he's trying to lead her to safety they're trying to figure out a place to hide and um, he says uh, she says something he calls her princess and she says you don't have to call me princess and from that point forward he does stop calling her that which I I think is nice like it just shows what kind of person Obi Wan is he's respectful he's polite he's a nice guy um, and. They start getting, then they get found by bounty hunters and they start running over these rooftops. We see a lot of cool Jedi parkour and we see my new favorite character who only lasts about 10 minutes. Um, I don't, I don't have a name for him, but this bounty hunter that is just a velociraptor, a space velociraptor bounty hunter. (laughs) Uh, the cool, it just, I want this action figure. I want to know who this character is. I haven't been able to figure it out through context. So listeners, if you yeah. know the name of this character, please write in and let me know. There's uh, a lot you, you of know cool talking about, bounty right, hunters. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's a guy. lot of cool bounty hunters. And one Jack. I thought this guy was Forlom, but it's one Jack. Um, Forlom is one of the bounty hunters we one, see with, uh. Episode five in Empire Strikes Back. Yep. Uh, with like Zuckus and with uh, Dash IG88 Dash Rendar no not Dash Rendar IG88 no, IG- Boba yep. Fett and what's the guy the other guy the lizard guy Bosk, I can't Bosch 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 um, yeah a lot of cool bounty hunters I mean if there's one thing uh, Star Wars loves is bounty hunters and yeah. and the, it's they fuel the galaxy apparently it's like they're 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 everywhere okay you can't you yeah you can't swing a dead uh uh a womp rat womp without rat. hitting a, <laughs> a, a bounty hunter yeah <laughs> yeah um what i what i love about this this rooftop chase is at one point uh he gets into the shootout with the raptor guy and then one jack shows up and he gets into a shootout with him so he's simultaneously fighting a robot and a dinosaur uh <laughs> he is on a rooftop get, they both get taken while out. People are doing while people are doing matrix parkour parkour around him. Yeah, they both get yeah, taken out. The, but I gotta say, the dinosaur does get taken out first, so that does kind of answer the question of which one's cooler in this episode, <laughs> at least. Well, we all know what's cooler. It's Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan yeah. Kenobi could be both a robot and a dinosaur. This is um, true. But again, old. this is this is more of my weird theories that why can't anyone catch this girl? Like yeah. she's obviously fumbling around the slowest running and dashing, and yet no one can catch this girl. <laughs> this. Uh, uh, unless they're using the force, because Obi Wan, when she falls off the rooftop, uses the he finally uses his force powers for the first time in a decade. She uh, makes a horrible mistake and miscalculates jumping from a rooftop. <laughs> Who does this? It's Neo. obviously a toy. Neo, yeah. She thought yeah, she Neo was going it. to jump. Yeah. But the same uh, thing happens to Neo. He just falls right into the street. Good thing it's a simulation at that moment. But yeah, I do. Again, right. I keep going back to this, but I do think she has the confidence that she can make this jump because I think she sees the distance. And I think if she were... 
if she were in, if she was able to tap into her force powers, I think she could have made this jump easily. And I think she has she that confidence could telling her, like an inner voice telling her she could do it. But maybe at the last moment, she had some self-doubt and that's why she falls. But yeah, it's a miscalculation yeah. for sure. In episode seven, eight, nine, we know that her force powers can allow her to do things like this. And yeah. and we, we don't see it here. You know, again, she's, she's new to the force. Um, but I do love how uh fourth sister is doing some insane parkour uh mm. around these rooftops and there's some great cinematography some first person camera views that they have of her doing it jumping from building to building um which is which is brilliant and we don't i wish i saw more of it because you could really see how uh what it's like to have these force abilities you know yeah in in, in move uh with like almost supernatural uh um, supernatural movement it is cool. Um, Haja catches up with Obi-Wan and helps him get to an automated cargo transport that's heading to Mapuzo because they'll never look there. I, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Grand Inquisitor finds Flea, and I forget why he does this. Can you remind me why he does this? But he does the helicopter blade thing and, like, well, they find out the Grand Inquisitor finds out that there that all of the bounty hunters were activated, and it wasn't yeah. his design; that it was Riva, and so he starts wrangling up bounty hunters and the gang that under Riva. Um, he starts finding out information, and they bring him Flea. Flea being the one who had given the order to the bounty hunters, right. and uh, tries to probe him for information, and ends up doing his spinny blade thing, and then we don't see Flea die, but we hear it. We hear a scream. Yeah, it's implied that he either scars his face or cuts his face off. I kind of hope he doesn't die. I want to see Flea come back, but it, it would be a long shot. Um, yeah. I'm also glad. Definitely, this would be the moment where we say Flea will have some scar tissue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the I'm also glad, having seen Rebels, that they didn't do the other thing that these um, spinning helicopter blades do in that show, where they literally point them up towards the sky and fly away. Uh, that's... I love Rebels, but that's always been a very, very silly thing that the Inquisitors do with their lightsabers. They go Mary Poppins and they fly that. away? They, yeah, Jason. They, I'm, I'm telling you, they literally start like spinning the blades the, the same way they do. They hold the handle and it just... Boom, 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 and then they just point it up towards the sky and take off like a helicopter. <laughs> it's it's in, As much as I love Rebels, it's something I cannot reconcile and I'm so glad that they had the restraint not to do that here in the live-action show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not here to complain about Star Wars. I'm here to talk about the things I liked. So what I do like is uh, when Haja shows up to try to uh, delay Reva. He knows he's not gonna. He knows he's not gonna stop her. Uh, but he's just buying buying Obi Wan and Leia more time, and she just pushes him up against a wall, probes his mind, uh, and just gets the information that she wants and she doesn't kill him she could have killed him but she, she doesn't. doesn't i thought it was implied that she does no no he just you can see that his mind is affected and then it cuts to the next scene so uh she has, she's like did you go to kill me so she says i don't have to and she probes his mind and but we don't see her kill him um, i don't think she, she gets killed the him after she got the information just just because i don't think so okay yeah i don't think so we might see him come up again later on Okay. Um, we we have to acknowledge the line uh, when 
when Leia is saved by Obi-Wan Kenobi um, from falling off the building, you know, she calls out to him, you, you really are a Jedi. We have to acknowledge the line. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, pu- it puts a bookend on that whole entire storyline. But again, it's a pretty grown moment there. You know, we don't need to hear the words again. We could, we can see it, you know. I thought you were um, going to say the line, um, you remind me of someone who, she was also fearless and stubborn. I'm not stubborn. Yes, you are. I'm not <laughs> okay that's that one's another one yeah we could probably just yeah let that be because we know <laughs> yeah who her mother is yeah uh, um, um but the but yeah. obi-wan looks pained to use his force powers like that like mm-hmm. he hasn't really exercised them much recently like this is the first time he has used the force in quite a long time you know he, he this is a um a man that was considered one of the most powerful jedi uh general of the um of the clone trooper army and he could do jump out of buildings and backflips and move uh big big items across the room attacking other things and and disarming disabling battle droids you know like this is this is a super powerful jedi and and doing something simple like catching a, a very 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 small child um you know from falling off a building really pained him and then mm. i I, I was confused of it for a while. I was like, why is this so difficult for Obi-Wan? Then I realized that, yeah, it's been that long. You know, this is not something he's done in such a long time. They've also said elsewhere in the series that um, Obi-Wan, uh, he, did, he did the same thing Luke did when he's on that planet uh, in episode eight. Um, what's the planet where he's living? Octo. Octo. Oh. Uh, okay. Where he he force severed, uh, he did a force severing, which is a rare thing that a Jedi can do, where they literally cut themselves off from the force. So mm. Obi Wan has done this, and I think that's why it's so hard because for ten years he has been severed from the force in order to stay in hiding, and this is his first time reconnecting and and using the power out of necessity. Um, and that so I think sense. that's why it's also- harder for him. And yeah. Yeah, in the I mean the the passion of of what was going on, um, like the last time uh, Leia's father, you know, he couldn't save her, uh, save him from from the dark side. You know, he he let him die, and now him saving Leia is the first person he saved since uh, being uh, a Jedi. So it's like, this is a very, 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 very important moment of him using his force powers um, and coming back into being a Jedi. Like we don't see it in the entire series up until this point. It's not like he's sitting around his house, you know, into his, his cave and, and using the force to shave or anything like that. Obviously not, he's got a big beard, but he's, you know, he's, this, is not, this is not something that he's done uh, much of. Uh, so it's, it's a big, reveal moment for himself even and i think a lot of it's confidence too like he didn't have the confidence that he could be you know a jedi again and uh and this is kind of that that moment there um they so they get into this automated port uh cargo transport but before that um reva shows up they she catches up to them and uh this is where she gives her little speech to Obi-Wan to let him know that she knows who Anakin is and oh my gosh he didn't even know that Anakin's still alive. Um, Apparently Reva knows everything. We don't know how but she knows so much. 
she knows that both Anakin and Obi-Wan had a relationship and she knows that they've been both looking for, or at least Anakin's been looking for Obi-Wan. Um, she knew how to find Obi, uh, a roundabout way, but eventually knew how to find Obi-Wan um, and that it was important to get them together. So she's kind of puppeteering this entire uh, series of events. And mm. we don't know why. We still don't know why, other than that she has motivations to get uh, on on Vader's good graces, Anakin's good graces. Yeah, it's it is something I'm really hoping they answer by the end of the show because it's the biggest burning question in my mind at this point. Um, the Grand Inquisitor we shows up though, and kind of messes up her plan <laughs> because uh, he's like, "I don't want you messing up my plan," and they're fi- and they're arguing, and uh, you know the bad guys can never can never have unity, and that's always what brings them down. And uh, she. She just guts him. She just stabs him right through the coat with her lightsaber. And she does it in the same way that Qui-Gon Jinn was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to really, really think as Obi-Wan seeing this happen, it just it just brings back flashbacks of what he was dreaming about before in the previous yep. first episode, you know, how Qui-Gon Jinn died. With you a double-bladed like, is... red lightsaber. No yep, less. a double-bladed red lightsaber right to the gut. And this is it it, it must affect uh, Obi-Wan seeing this and uh in realizing, oh no, they're back. Um yeah. and we have to this is the stakes are now raised. Do you think the Grand Inquisitor is dead from this? Do you think this killed him? Because he does I spoilers for Rebels, he's a big character on Rebels, and Rebels is like five years later. I don't I doubt it. Again, with my theory that Inquisitors are more man, are more less man and more machine. It, it again, something like this could be just a hop, skip, and a jump for more mech. You know, like we're 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 gonna see maybe her, him come back and 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 then be another thorn in in uh, Reva's side. You know, you tried to kill me once, I won't let that happen again. You know, mm. uh, and and that that could prove another you know bigger obstacle for for Reva. She underestimated his power. Um, in, in the powers of the Sith. Um, yeah. but the, but there's, there's a lot that, you know, we have to you know, pay attention to in this relationship because I don't think it's, it's com- quite completely done yet. Good point. Uh, they hear something that mm-hmm. Obi-Wan and it's revealed that Anakin's been looking for Obi-Wan for quite a long time. Um, which is really curious, you know, cause for someone that, that, he hates because he Anakin very much hates Obi Wan at the end of of Episode Three. Yeah, he you know, why would that he from do the lava. this? I hate you. Yeah, why would he do this? I, I mean, what's the specific motive that Anakin has uh, for finding Obi Wan? You know, what does he need? Why does he need Obi Wan? Oh, I think he wants to turn him into an Inquisitor. I think he wants to. You think so? Yeah, I think he wants to break him down. Um, probably chop off three of his four limbs. Uh, in out of revenge, and yeah. break him down and turn him into an inquisitor to control him and to get get his get his revenge his vengeance on him. Yeah, the only person that Anakin knows from his former life is Obi Wan. Doesn't know anything about Luke or Leia. Um, mm-hmm. He knows o- Obi Wan. So, uh, yeah. So this is this is interesting that he's trying to get to him. Yeah, and uh, our final shot of the episode is. Uh, it seems like Obi-Wan is almost 
sharing a vision with this uh, this this floating figure in a back to tank, and we hear the the Vader breathing. Um, there's like they do another sort of flashback to the pod race, right, and some other images from Episode One. Um, the pod race image though is interesting because Obi Wan wasn't there; he didn't actually watch it. He was on the ship, right? So yeah. It seems like they're almost doing that, like, Kylo Ren, Rey mind meld from a distance, whether it's on purpose or not. Um, but, yeah, that's Yeah, that's they pulled it. The, Anakin gets the awareness that Obi-Wan... This is the first time that Obi-Wan's used the Force, so I'm assuming Anakin can feel it now mm-hmm. and can see that Obi-Wan is there. Um, you know, the, 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 the event caused, you know, a blip on that galactic force sensitivity radar that Anakin has and, and can sense that he's there. He's, he's alive and he's there. Um, the unfortunate thing is that the Riva yelling at nothing as this automated ship leaves the planet. And again, it's automated. So they know exactly where it's going. Mm-hmm. It's really not that hard to find, <laughs> but she's yelling at st- as they escape. Like Riva, no one can hear you. No one can hear you. What are you yelling at? Also, if this ship is not designed to transport humans, does it have life support systems? Like, are they going to get into the vacuum of space and be okay? Like, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, lot of lot of uh, lot of questions that I don't think they want us to ask because I don't think we're going to get answers to them. Um, the best line, the best line of this episode, I think, my favorite line is the quick line that that the the Grand Inquisitor has. You see, uh, no, that. Um, uh, not the Grand Inquisitors that uh, uh, Haja has. Was it Haja? No, about the Inquisitors, or maybe it was Obi Wan that has about the Inquisitors. Yeah, Obi Wan has it. He says, "Inquisitors, many were Jedi who turned to the dark side. Now they hunt their own kind." That's mm-hmm. the line that I think Obi Wan has talking about who Talia, who these people are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very, 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 very quick line, but it speaks volumes as to the story of the Inquisitors and. I I would have liked a little bit more for the uh, the casual audience that doesn't know much about Star Wars and it isn't really going to go search for it online. You know, I want I want that really to be the the center point that these are once their people. These were once hunting hunting Obi Wan. These were former Jedi. Um, and I, I and feel like we'll we should see, be seeing a lot more of that. Yeah, I feel like we'll see some kind of like Inquisitor Academy scenes or like flashbacks that that show like. Reva when she was younger or something like that going through training. Um, it also that line echoes something that they said in the first episode where they were like Jedi hunt themselves because that yeah. has like double meaning you know like they they ex- what, what they're saying is they expose themselves but also these people that are inquisitors they were destined to be Jedi but right. fate intervened and they became inquisitors instead and now they're hunting Jedi so Jedi hunt themselves. Yeah, maybe, maybe the Jedi that we saw hanging in the first episode, maybe he's not dead. Maybe it's just the process of breaking him to become Inquisitor. That's, I didn't think of that. And that might be, that might be another reason why they didn't hang him from his neck. I didn't think of that. That's very possible. Um, Jason, I do have three questions that I don't care if Lucasfilms wants us to ask or not. Uh, these are Lou's Big Three on Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 2. Uh, so Ryan, hit the theme. Lose big three. It's you and me. We're going to have fun with lose big three. Thanks, Ryan. Um, all right. So, uh, what are the effects of spice? 
we this is kind of the first time we see um, people under under the effects of spice. What do you think it's like, like to to be on spice? Like, do you think you see things? Do you think it's just a euphoric feeling? Do you think you have like, like, um, what do you think it's like? So I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really done the research at all and looked into what the comics or the overall expanded universe says what Spice does. But from this episode, from what I can see, it does provide some type of euphoria, um, mm. just general euphoria. But there's different colors. Um, there's different qualities, potencies. Um, there must be different effects. And I would like to see, though, this is my hope, is that Spice actually is something that is along the lines of bringing people to force sensitivity. You know, like you get close to being a force sensitive individual. And this is why it's so valuable and so important in the galaxy. You know, it's, it's, it brings people closest to God, if you will. It brings them uh, in a line with what the Jedi and the Sith experience with the force. Um, and that, that would be a very, very inspiring tale. You know, people are abusing this at the same time, using it for monetary reasons. Um, and, 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 you know, it, I don't know, like the overall lore says that midichlorians cause the force. Uh, and, and then of course you have the, um, the dark troopers, uh, the versions of them, which are force sensitive as well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they're created to be force sensitive. They're not born force sensitive. So um, I would like to see the spice grow into uh, that relationship with the force. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it's. Uh, I wonder if it's a thing where like that's what um, maybe Ellen Slee's Bagano like the death sticks are like basically cigarettes but instead of tobacco they're like laced with spice um Mm. also i've read that uh saw guerrera from from rogue one he has that breathing tube he clearly has like a lot of injuries and stuff like he's his leg is missing um and he's breathing through this breathing tube and i've read that it's like his breathing tube is aerosol spice so i think he's using Mm. it as like a constant painkiller um like a medicinal purpose yeah not now. Not uh, I'm not promoting drug use here on Robust versus Dinosaurs. Uh, I'm just saying, like, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think it might have pharmaceutical applications. It might be this very. Um, it's it's just a resource, and some people use it, uh, process it into drugs to sell on the market, and some people maybe use it for medicinal purposes. Yeah, so you've talked about the back to tank a little bit. We see uh, uh, mm-hmm. Anakin in it, and and those people that really have done the research about the tank, the back, the tank. There's the production shots and designs. They're actually supposed to be red, um, the oh. red back, the tank, the, the initial color. But then they changed it um, for the close up shots of Luke when he, in in uh, um, Empire Strikes Back, so they can see through it. And then later on, um, it's now the characteristic blue that people know. Mm-hmm. Um, but is back the tank fueled by spice? Is is that the reason why it's so rare? to have one um you know we see we, we don't see them often you know um we see the, the the rebels have one to help revive luke um we see that uh boba fett has one in the book of boba fett you know we see uh, lord vader of course is in one um in a few other instances we see it in in the universe but but it's very very rare to have maybe that much spice in order to repair someone so maybe a lot of it is is healing properties of spice 
it's a good call. Like, yeah, it could be like an anesthetic of some sort or like mixed in with whatever formula the Bacta solution is. That's I think that I think you might be onto something. Uh, Lou's big three, number two. You kind of asked this earlier. I think this is one of Jason's big three. But um, other than former Jedi or Asajj Ventress or any or anybody, other than bounty hunters, what other prequel characters do you think might show up in this series? There's um, one that you mentioned I, off air that uh, <laughs> might be a possibility. Oh, what did I mention off air? Uh, think he works in a diner. Uh, he's, he's friends with Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. He's got um, four arms. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? Dexter uh, Jester. Dex, Dexter Jester. Yeah, Dexter Jester. He, 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 he'll he, come uh, back. Dexter probably is going to come back. I mean, he will be maybe less animated. I would love to see him as a practical, you know, this time. Just more practical, mm. at least. Because he's, he, he's a friend of Obi-Wan. He knows Obi-Wan's past. And Obi-Wan goes to him to find out what's going on in the underworld. Because he has apparently this, this CD pass where he's seen everything. We don't know how old Dexter is. Um, mm-hmm. and they don't really give much backstory in the movie to him. It's just that Obi-Wan finds him in a diner. Yeah. Um, I, maybe Obi-Wan's going to go to that planet and see him again. Um, that would be a really cool character. Um, I, we're, I, be, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of the characters that we've seen from Rogue One. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of the characters in some of the animated series. Um, uh, and uh, I, mean, I, I, I don't think we're going to get to the point where we're going to see Grand Moff Tarkin or anything like that because I don't, I don't think it's part of this world at this time. Um, do you think although, we'll see Ahsoka? Do you think Ahsoka will show up on this show? If we, it's possible. Um, if we do, it would be a younger Ahsoka, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, and a- I and I don't think Obi Wan can be aware of Ahsoka because if if so, he wouldn't be investing all of his hope and everything into Luke. He if he knew Ahsoka was out there, so I, I think she yeah. could show up, but she couldn't interact with Obi Wan. Yeah, they, again, they're they're in hiding right now. They're force, uh, they're force removed. So um, probably not. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to see. We've we see we we we've seen um, some clone troopers, the aging clone trooper. I would like to see more of the aging clone trooper. Maybe some of the Bad Batch or or Rex. Rex. I mean Rex. Rex I'd definitely. Love to see Rex. I always yeah, love def- Rex. Definitely Rex, because he's he is the clone trooper from the animated series. Um, mm. um, I'm trying to think if there's any other specific characters from the first episode one, two, and three, because I mean that's that's a lot of Watto. Watto, yep. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he could be around. It's possible. Jar Jar. Um, no. No. no <laughs> you answered so quickly. Uh no. But we're—I mean—we've seen so much of the episode one, two, and three already. Uh, any of the characters could show up, yeah. Um, and then, and then, if anyone from Rogue One or Solo—you know—we haven't really seen much of it. So we could see, you know, um, uh, we could see, you know, Lando Calrissian show up, uh, a younger Lando Calrissian appear. Um, we could, we could definitely see Tom Solo. Beckett. Yeah, like in, in in some weird episode, like you see Han Solo doing some some trading with the Millennium Falcon or something along those lines, or um, or um, you know even um, Chewbacca, you know, you know before 
he uh, he met Han Solo, or because we're we're getting close to that time period. We're about nine years away, right? Maybe, not even nine years ago. We're about maybe four less than that, like maybe three or four years away from when that, those events happened. So, what are the chances that we see like Dryden Voss? Uh, that was Paul Bettany in Solo, and he's like the the head of the uh, the Black Sun, I think. Because I think like especially in yeah. this time period. They, that's like a big thing in a lot of the extended universe of Star Wars, like the Black Sun and all of these factions. Um, and they've started to bring them into the fold a little bit. Like there was a whole story arc in Clone Wars with Darth Maul and his brother being uh, becoming leaders in the Black Sun. Uh, so do you think we'll see any of those kind of factions show up? Sorry, it wasn't, Dryden Voss was not the head of the Black Sun, it's the Crimson Dawn, sorry. <laughs> Crimson Dawn. That sounds yeah. like some type of it, it's the it's the 80s, you know, uh, uh, Russia attacks movie, Crimson Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see like some characters from from some of that. But I think it's they're going to try to stick to original characters for the most part to start and then maybe later on introduce some more kind of like the way Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett did. You know, you don't want to make the show about the cameos you want to make it about the original storyline mm-hmm. um but i i wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see a whole lot more um we're we're going to see more droids i'm assuming too mm-hmm. um we did get a c3po and r2d2 cameo yeah and we could see those wonderful bounty hunter droids that we know empire, from empire i would love to see those because they don't really have much live action representation um, you know, so IG-88, you know, uh, Four um, and a few, yep. A few of the other ones and, and, uh, and we'll see them in action, um, going after Obi-Wan. And then of course we talked about this as well. Maybe we'll see Boba Fett, you know, we could see, mm-hmm. um, Boba Fett pick up his father's armor the first time, um, before he loses it before the events of a new hope and, uh, and, and really, you know, go after, uh, Obi-Wan. Um, lose big three, number three, uh, Jason, uh, let me paint a scenario for you. You're, you're a Jedi. You fought in the Clone Wars. Um, your, your, your friend and Padawan, uh, betrayed the entire Jedi order and you cut his limbs off and you had to go into hiding on a desert planet. Um, you're, what do you change your name to so that people can't find you? <laughs> <laughs> you change it to Frank. Frank, well, yeah. uh, what about your last name? <laughs> Frank Jones. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but yeah, Obi, what you're right. I mean, it, it, Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi changed it to it's end of Obi Wan Kenobi. He's just Ben Kenobi. Yeah, really, really clever there, Obi Wan. Uh, okay, one step further. There's a little kid that you got to keep secret because his dad, Anakin Skywalker, is looking for him. Uh, so you you you're gonna leave him. You're gonna leave him on a ranch with his family, uh, which is where Anakin used to live. And um, what should his last name be? What do you think? What do you think is the best option for that kid uh, to walk around telling people his last name is if he's trying to stay in hiding from Anakin Skywalker? There's so many holes in the original first movies for a second. There. That's one of the big ones. Why would you give the, the kid who you're trying to hide to your grandparents? It didn't make any sense. Your adopting grandparents. Uh. Uh, so that's... That, those are all my big questions and thoughts on Obi-Wan Kenobi episodes one and two so far. 
Um, uh, my last, my, I have a last question for you. Okay, so okay. Uh, it, we are, well, we know Leia, right? Uh, she is, she is um, possibly force sensitive. Um, you know, her, her, both her parents are are dead. Um, is she more like little orphan Annie or Matilda? Annie, because Matilda, Matilda used her powers. Okay. Matilda used right. her powers of telekinesis and like made things float around the classroom and stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Does that make does that make Lola her robot her her droid like Sandy her dog? Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that tracks. And uh, Bale is Daddy Warbucks because he's her adopted right. father. Yeah. <laughs> Unless is Obi Wan Kenobi uh, Daddy Warbucks or maybe no, Bale. it's Bale because Bale know. raises her. So yeah. Okay. So then. <laughs> So does that make Flea Miss Hannigan? <laughs> yep, 100%. <laughs> and uh, I, and I, follow-up I think... question. Mm-hmm. Follow-up question, okay? Now, Luke Skywalker, young Luke Skywalker, is he now Harry Potter or John Connor? Uh, so Harry Potter, my my brain goes straight to Harry Potter because you know you're a wizard, Luke. Um, is basically what Obi Wan right. says to him, and like it's living with the uncles underneath the basement. John Connor, <laughs> I don't see. Stairs. I don't see it. What's the? Why would he be John? Well, Connor? John John Connor is you know foretold to to lead the army of the revolution and 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 uh, protect Earth, you know, in the future. So. Just as Luke is kind of foretold by Yoda and Obi-Wan to, you know, help save the galaxy. At the same time, John Connor has this kind of odd relationship with with robots. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Yeah, he's good at reprogramming them. So, and And, you know, the Terminator being his his companion and friend. Maybe, but I, I think I think I agree with you. More like Harry Potter. Good question. Good question. Uh, Jason, do you have any final thoughts on Obi Wan Kenobi before we wrap up? We are going to be returning for um, part three next week. We're going to be covering every episode, but uh, before we wrap up today, no. do you have any last thoughts the, the, for the listeners? The last thoughts I have. I'm real. I'm excited and cautious about the series. It's it's getting some interesting reviews. A lot of people are critiquing the the pace of it. They're critiquing, you know, some of the storytelling. I like how it's parallel to original storytelling of Star Wars. I love it, and it, it, even with the music, the music is classic Star Wars orchestral score. It's not the the the, the newer style, which I love as well, but it's definitely um, remnant of Episode four, five, and six, uh, and Episode one, two, and three. So those that are fans of that should really embrace it. Um, and it's more geared towards kids too. So they're they're pulling back a little bit of the violence and gore that we've seen in other Star Wars uh, recently, Star Wars films recently, to make it more accessible to children because there's children in it too. Um, and so I'm I'm curious how's it going. I'm hoping it's going to pick up the pace a little bit. Um, I want I want this to be a, a a good showing of Star Wars that's going to last forever. And and Deborah Chow hopefully uh, can can helm Star Wars in the future, maybe with a movie or or something more exceptional if this succeeds. But only time will tell. Mm. Only time will tell. And let's let's hope that they don't they don't they don't go visit Gunkins. And you, you mentioned that uh, John Williams does the score, right? I don't know if John Williams. It's very John Williams-esque. 
Yeah, I think, uh, let me just double check. Yep, music by Natalie Holt and John Williams. I think it's the first show that he's done music for. Yeah, I think they, they have double billing, so he does the main themes and she's actually filling in the rest of the orchestral score, which is great, you know, the passing the torch on to someone else in, in the Star Wars universe. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens and uh, who else we're going to meet and, and how the story unfolds. I mean, we know the ending, but the in-between is what makes it, the journey in between makes it, makes it fun. Awesome. Well, until next time, uh, we will see you soon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Send in all of your hate mail to robosvdinos at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye. refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force you believe it's this boy i'm surprised uh that they didn't catch her they should have just waited under the bridge your jedi mind tricks don't work on tordarian are you just asking for hate mail right now this- <laughs>